Support for the My Mike and I podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. What's up, fellas? Listen up. Untribbed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm not talking about your face. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Guys, when I was in high school, when I was in college, I would really struggle down there using cheap scissors, using cheap razors, constantly nicking myself, all that painful stuff. But that's a thing in the past. That's why the revolutionary company Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has advanced skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower too. What a steal. The lawnmower 2.0 comes inside the perfect package 2.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you could ever need for trimming down there. It keeps you trimmed, cut free, and smelling real nice down there. Don't use the same trimmer too that you use on your face, on your balls. That's just nasty. It's on your balls. <laughs> the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 also includes a cop preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. Guys, we already put deodorant on our armpits. Why are we not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of our body? Yes, our balls stink. Our girlfriends tell us that all the time. <laughs> and these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help you set the mood if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that will keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade over those pair of used boxers that have been sitting in your closet for years and years. Tis the season to manscape, and so get yourself, your dad, your grandfather, your brother, and your friends the best gift of all this season, the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code BIGHEADS, that's in all caps. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the My Mike and I podcast. I am your host, Noah Alvarez. want to thank everybody that's tuning into the show. Episode 84. Yes, man, we're almost to 100. But before we get into this week's episode, a couple people want to thank. First, want to thank Generic Sports for producing the funky instrumental playing in the background. You can check out more of his work at soundcloud.com slash generic sports. He also has stuff on Bandcamp. So go support your local artist. Search up generic sports on Bandcamp. Also search him up on Twitter. Give him a follow on Instagram too. Uh, He posts a lot of different beats and instrumentals on those social media platforms as well. So big shout out to generic sports. Also shout out to Vince Correa. He helped design the My Mike and I logo that you are seeing in your screen. Uh, really talented with the graphic design thing. He's also helped a lot with the My Mike and I Instagram page. And if you're wondering, well, yeah, that My Mike and I Instagram page is at my period Mike and period I. Go give it a follow. Uh, it's relatively new, but it's uh, really clean looking, and we got a lot of big things coming for the podcast and the podcast page as well on Instagram. So give it a follow. Go follow me on Instagram too. My personal page is at noha underscore Alvarez. You can also follow me on Twitter at underscore Noah Alvarez. On a week-to-week basis, I like posting these. Uh, I like posting different listener interaction questions of the week that are related to the interview or related to the topic of the show. And so, if you follow those social media platforms, be sure to be on the lookout for those listener interaction questions. And we'll get into listener interaction question later on in the show. Before we get into that. 
do want to remind you guys this podcast is available on SoundCloud. It's available on Spotify. You can also find the Mike and I podcast on TuneIn, on Google Play, on Stitcher, and it's on Apple Podcasts as well. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate it if you guys like the podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you guys left a rating and review. It'd be uh, really helpful. It helps new listeners that are, or helps listeners that are new to the show that have no idea what it's about. Kind of give them an idea of what the show is all about. So I'd really appreciate if you guys could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on SoundCloud, be sure to give us a follow, subscribe, and just, you know, spread it word of mouth. I'd really appreciate it, guys. Also wanted to remind you that we are part of the Big Heads Podcast Network, and Big Heads Podcast Network is home to many great podcasts, including the How I Met Your Friends podcast. If you're a fan of the show How I Met Your Mother and the show Friends, then this is going to be a podcast that you may want to check out. So here's a little commercial describing a little bit more about their show. Do you watch Friends? Do you watch How I Met Your Mother? Then you should listen to How I Met Your Friends. Hi, I'm Kathleen. And I'm Julie. And we are the ladies behind How I Met Your Friends, the podcast that explores the similarities and theories of Friends and How I Met Your Mother. Every week, we watch an episode from each show and dive deep into the crossovers and catchphrases. So if you've ever noticed the similarities between these fantastic shows, come check out our podcast. You can reach us on social media at How I Met Your Friends Pod or email Pod at gmail.com. Boom, Noah Alvarez back here in action with the My Mike and I podcast. And before we get into episode 84 of the show and I introduce you to the guest, there's a few things to go over. First, some MLB news. I feel like we haven't covered baseball here in a minute. And uh, hopefully I can get my boy Jacob Fanshawe on the show and we can talk some baseball. If not, I'll have somebody else talk baseball. Or I might just talk baseball with myself. But Garrett Cole, man. Garrett Cole signing with the New York Yankees. Uh, he was formerly of the Houston Astros, a team that was in the World Series last year, or this past season, and they lost to the Washington Nationals. But Garrett Cole had a career, I don't want to say revival, because he was a really good pitcher, really, really talented pitcher in Pittsburgh, but it just seemed like everything got put together, and he became elite, elite in Houston. So I'm interested to see how he does in a new scenario. Will he go back to the the, the, the Pittsburgh Garrett Cole, or will he stay like Houston Garrett Cole, or will he be somewhere in between? And I mean, because if you if you follow Houston lately, they've been the pitching staff to have a really a lot of career revivals. Look at Justin Verlander. Um, you know, I don't want to say he was falling off, but he was a little bit past his prime. But he's still been a very effective pitcher when with the Houston Astros since he's been traded there. And then look at Zach Greinke. And I'm really excited to see who that next veteran pitcher, who is maybe a former ace or or not, that heads up ends up on the Houston Astros this upcoming season or in the next two seasons. Because um, that, 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 that's just like a hotbed right now for the pitchers. If you were a pitcher who is struggling with some mechanics or not doing your best in your career, definitely want to go to Houston. And also staying in that division in the AL West, another big name gets signed, Anthony Rendon, formerly the third baseman of the Washington Nationals, a team that just won the World Series. He signs with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Don't ask me why they're called that. It should be just the Anaheim Angels or the California Angels or maybe just... Orange County Angels, something, something better than the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, because in Spanish, you're just saying the Angels, Angels. That doesn't make any sense. Like, you know what I mean? That's like, it's a, it's a stupid thing. Nonetheless, the Angels, <laughs> they are, they signed Anthony Rendon, a big third baseman. This is key, because I mean, if you look at the lineup now, projected, you can go in the two spot, Mike Trout, in the three spot, Anthony Rendon, four spot, Shohei Otani. Five spot Justin Upton, six spot Albert Pujols. That's a really dangerous and really 
hefty middle of the lineup. Uh, you can also have Audrey Simmons. And then potentially Joe Adele is going to be come up and playing at the major league level this year. So potentially, I want to I say potentially because we've seen this in the Angels of the past, whether when they signed Albert Pujols, when they signed Josh Hamilton, when they signed Ian Kinsler or whatever. I you know I had big expectations for them going into the season. It just didn't end up panning out. Obviously Anthony Rendon, a little bit different, a little bit younger than some of those other players too, a little bit more surefire of a player than some of these other players that they have signed in the past. But I think big things are coming for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And they're going to be staying in Anaheim too until 2050. That was the news that broke up about like two, three weeks ago. So it's a big thing if you're an Orange County baseball fan and you're a fan of the Angels that live in the area. I'm a fan of going to the games. I'm not a huge Angels fan, but I do love living down the street with, you know, a 20 minute, I don't want to say 20 minute, but like a 30 to 40 minute walk from the stadium, about a 15 to 20 minute bike ride. And uh, it's just really cool to be able to go to a baseball game. They're relatively cheap, too. So if you're Orange County and you're in Orange County, you got nothing to do during baseball season. Baseball games are relatively cheap. You can see some good baseball being played, whether it's by the home team or the away team. Definitely go check it out. Now, as most of you know, too, the next thing I want to move on to is the hip-hop community. I'm a big hip-hop fan. And in the past week, we lost uh, a huge member of the hip-hop community, Juice World. As a fan of hip hop and as a member of the hip hop community, because I have, you know, like I like to dip my foot in anything I can with the hip hop community. Anytime you lose a member of the hip hop community, it's very saddening. And at the young age of 21, too, like I said, I, I never really listened too much to his work. I know he had big hits like All Girls Are the Same and Lucid Dreams that were really big hits. And he had a lot of very deep personal albums that he released, uh, too. Um, like I said, I don't want to dive too much into it because I wasn't a huge fan of him personally, but I know a lot of people that were big fans of him. Whether it's friends, whether it's students that I've worked with through uh, the Boys and Girls Club, a lot of people respect and loved Juice World's music. And so it's really sad to see him go. Uh, one of my friends was just describing him, my, my barber actually was describing me to his, mu uh, his music to me as I was getting a haircut recently. And he said, you know, it's soft and he opens up. And it's very personal sometimes, very emotional. There's a lot of emotions in his song, but it's not like soft, cheesy stuff like Drake, he said. That's how he described it. It's not soft and cheesy like Drake. It's very uh, it's very real and something that like all the guys and fellas can bop to. And I think we need more of that kind of music. And, you know, I, I think uh, we need more of those guys like the Mac Millers, like the Triple X's, uh, just artists that aren't afraid as males kind of open up about their feelings because I definitely feel like it's a common trend in society especially with the older generations not so much the younger generations I think the younger generations are going to be better off than we were and people who are older than me were but a lot of guys they like to hold in their feelings they like to hold in anger let things boil and it just it turns out not to be a very pretty thing so prayers out to his family his friends and everyone that was close to him and everyone that listened to his music it's a sad day when we lose a member of the hip-hop community like that. Now, let's go ahead and turn it over to episode 84. And before I introduce you to the guests, I know one more thing. The listener interaction question of the week. And this week, I asked a pretty uh, fun one that I knew I was going to get a lot of responses to. This week, I asked, if you could have any career regardless of your situation, what would it be? Now, I asked this on the Mike and I Instagram page. I asked this on the 
personal Instagram page of mine. I also asked this on my Twitter too. I plugged those earlier in the show, so be sure to go follow them if you want to be involved with the listener interaction uh, questions of the week. This is to the personal Noha underscore Alvarez page. Jay Franco, he responded, concert, ASL, American Sign Language interpreter, a club owner, festival owner, or a sports team physical therapist. That's actually pretty dope. I've seen a lot of videos of um, the American Sign Language interpreters doing that for concerts or doing it for the debates or doing it for different things. And I think that's really cool, very uh, dope need. And you get to be a part of something like a like a concert or like a debate. And you get to be a part of that while also helping translate to a different uh, people who speak and use a different language. So that's a pretty good one. Also, club owner, that'd be really cool too. I actually have like a dream of a long time, a long long-term dream of mine <laughs> i gotta find the right words for that one of opening like a club that just plays like throwback hip-hop r&b that kind of stuff not not, not really like none of the commercialized stuff to a lot of like underground stuff um obviously i'm not like in any rush to open that kind of thing but that's something like a long-term goal of mine next response was by jazzy jeff she responded entrepreneur that's pretty dope too starting your own business and just being a, an entrepreneur sounds really dope you go all in on whatever you're passionate about or whatever you're passionate about making money about and so i think that's really cool really good one next time be more specific jazzy don't be afraid to be more specific <laughs> oc card bros they responded nba point guard of course man who wouldn't want to play in the nba who wouldn't want to play any professional sport nba point guard too you get to touch the ball the most you get to go against you head to head with damian lillards and the, the russell westbrooks and the, the lonzo balls and all these different point guards from Kyrie to Kemba Walker all these different point guards so I think it'd be fun to you know be an NBA point guard for sure uh this next response is from Ambreeze he said a female body inspector who wouldn't like to be a FBI agent right uh very good response Ambreeze appreciate your response the next one is by the Prince of Agrabah he responded, professional basketball player or actor. So that's a pretty common one, right? Who doesn't want to be on the big screen? Who doesn't want to be on the big stage and going head to head, like like I said, with some of these NBA superstars? Thank you for your response, the Prince of Agrabah. This one was responded by J underscore Lu Wang. He responded, the ultimate goal is to have my money work for me and I'll have more time for hobbies. That's a dope thing too, man. Have different entrepreneurial outlets and just kind of have your money, like you said, work for you. And that way you can go spend your time traveling or doing whatever you do, festivals, um, just spending time with family. It doesn't matter. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good goal to have. This next response is by RV Sifer. They put astronaut. I thought that was super dope. You know what? After I saw the movie Interstellar, I really wanted to be an astronaut. Like Matthew McConaughey in a freaking spacesuit going to solve like the next planet we have to live on or whatever that was that was some dope shit i was like damn being an astronaut would be super 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 dope obviously super dangerous and super a huge commitment right i mean if you ever seen interstellar like time goes by crazy fast and other in space and, and you know what i mean like you miss out on a lot obviously but man being an astronaut sounds like a lot of fun and then the last response to the personal instagram page is emelos she responded with a wildlife photographer that's a really fun one too. Imagine just like being posted up in a camo gear in like the tall grass of Africa in the Sahara or in like in the savannah and just like taking pictures of lions and tigers and not tigers because obviously tigers don't live in the savannah. I mean like lions and antelope and gazelle, 
cheetahs and elephants, dude, that'd be dope. That would that would be a really uh that'd be a really cool goal of mine. Or even like going somewhere like the Nile River, taking pictures and like videos of of uh, the crocodiles and stuff like there, the hippos, and using putting your stuff on like Discovery Channel, Animal Planet. That sounds like a dope ass job, dope ass career too. I'd have a lot of fun doing that, no doubt. All right, this one were these three responses were to the my mike and i instagram page first one by jennifer she responded psychologist i respect all the psychologists out there because not only do they have to deal with their own problem they have to constantly listen to other people's problems too so shout out to all the, the psychologists in the world because we really need you out there keep doing what you're doing this next one is by lizzie underscore perez she says she wanted to travel the world, going to music festivals, and writing a blog about that. Man, that just sounds like a lot of fun, too. And I think you could definitely make that happen. Obviously, you have to start from the ground up and sometimes put your own money into it. But I think that's very doable with how big blogs are nowadays and how I mean, how accessible the internet is to everyone and how big festivals are. I, mean, I was talking about with my friend the other day. I, I didn't think festivals... I don't even remember hearing about festivals when I was in high school and in middle school. Like, I, re I really don't remember hearing about Coachella and Stagecoach and all these things around. I think they were around. I know some of them were for sure, but festivals seem like a huge thing, especially with social media, Instagram, Twitter. Man, these things have gotten really popular. So I could see definitely something like that is being very capable of and being able to make a profit on it. So that's that'd be super dope. That'd be a super dope career to pursue. And then this last one is by Shawnee Macias. She responded, producing music, managing artists, or performing. You know, I've always been a big fan of hip hop and I always wanted to be a rapper. And then I realized I couldn't rap. And then I always wanted to be a producer. And I watched my friend Generic Sports produce beats and, and I, I, you know, I can't replicate it. I don't have the, I, I never put the, the time and effort to do the same thing. So I have a lot of respect for the producers. I have a lot of respect for the performers. And even being a managing artist, man, I, I, have, a, I, have, a lot of, I have a lot of respect for them too because I'm sure they have to deal with a lot and have a lot on their plate as well. It'd be, it'd be cool to be in the entertainment industry like that. I fuck with that. And then this was the lone response to the personal Twitter account at underscore Noah Alvarez. Be sure to give me a follow. Mr. C.W. Bullock, he responded, if it were up to me, I'd be a guidance counselor. With my background of being homeless as well as a ward of the court, I want to make a difference in kids' lives. Really heartwarming response. Thank you, Chris Bullock, for that one. Thanks to everybody who responded to the listener interaction question of the week. Now, how it's related to this week's show? Well, episode 84, I have a very special guest. His name is Manny Jimenez Sr. He works in Hollywood. He's a screenwriter. He's done a lot of other stuff, too. He's worked on movies like training day like gridiron gang two of my favorite movies for sure gridiron gang one of my favorite sports movies training day is one of my favorite movies in general one of the best acting performances by denzel washington for sure and he's worked on all, all kinds of movies and all kinds of tv shows and i don't want to get spoiled too much of his story for you but he really came from i mean i know drake made that popular statement started from the bottom now we're here and manny Manis senior really started from the bottom Growing up in the streets and the streets of LA, he talks about how he was involved in gang life and basically was able to turn his life around. And now he works in Hollywood. He's worked on, like I said, big time movies, big time TV shows, and he's doing his own thing now as a screenwriter slash producing, trying to do as much as he can in the Hollywood industry. So, without further ado, hope you enjoy the conversation between Manny Jimenez Senior and myself.
Well, really want to thank you again for hopping on the show. You know, you need no introduction, and let's go ahead and get a start from your early childhood, and just talk about some of the early interests you had, hobbies, and what your upbringing was like. So the as far as back, I always like to start it. It's almost like Goodfellas, as far back as I can remember. <laughs> as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be in the movie business. Um, so as a little kid, I was. Um, from what I remember, we lived in Linwood. And we lived in these apartments, and it was like um, it's like four uh, apartments on each side, and like our aunt and uncle lived on one. My mom's sister and my her husband lived on one side. Another one lived on the bottom. So we all lived there, and all my cousins grew up there. And then they were like back in the day, we would share cable, <laughs> share the spin the wire, and then um, and we lived in the top apartment, and I would use a pillowcase running around like Superman and Batman and my mom they thought I was gonna they were always scared I was gonna jump down jump out the window or something or from the top story you know but I was always uh, I don't know I was just um, I think TV and, and and movies was like an escape you know I watched uh, I grew up uh, this is the old school Batman Adam West one and, and uh, George uh, um, George Reeves and um, the black and white Superman one you know it was a TV show back then but I so I love that stuff. I was fascinated with that, and then Spider Man, of course, and just all the superhero stuff. And um, yeah, and then you know you start seeing there was a lot of partying in the house, you know, like uh, I know um, drinking, and it was just like kind of normal. And then there was some, you know, then there was some abuse, and then my um, mom and my dad from 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 there, my dad was in my life for a small moment. And so he, you know, he, had, he used to beat my mom. He was an alcoholic. A lot, you know, when you're young, you don't really kind of know all that. Yeah. As you get older, you start realizing all that, and or they tell you. But I remember, like, he stabbed her. I didn't see him stab her, but he had stabbed her. And I remember the ambulance and cops came, and he took off, um, and she was bleeding and stuff. I, I think he stabbed her in her arm or something. I'm not really. I don't really remember exactly, but I just remember my uh, family members taking my mom, all, and they, my, my aunt and uncle took me. And uh, probably my baby brother, but, you know, they took her to the ambulance or whatever, or to the hospital. But I know there was, like, a, a lot of abuse. And then my mom would take him back and all that. And then eventually she left him and you know, got with my stepdad. And I was still young. And um remember being really young with that. And I would just, like, hated him. I was, put it this way, I was still, like, in, you know, like, elementary school. Yeah, I was still, like, really young. And I remember the day they got married. I didn't want to go to the wedding. Dang. They got, like, a, they had, like, a little small thing in my... I remember staying at my grandma's house. I remember... It's weird. I remember, like, I'll still drive around over there sometimes and just cry and reminisce, you know, wow. like, good times and bad times. But I remember where I was sitting um, and I remember crying... Where I was crying, I remember I was, like, banging my head um, the day they got married. Wow. And, and, and I think... Again, reflecting back is because I was like, um, that was like, okay, I knew now my dad's never coming back, my real dad, right? Mm -hmm. And then, then the, like, kind of the anger became, right? Uh, but again, then I still had like television and movie, you know, I mean, then I was like watching Dukes of Hazard yeah. and Happy Days. And I just post like a picture. I don't know if you've seen it, like with my little leather jacket, <laughs> a little uh -huh. childhood picture. And uh, I said, like, hey, Fonzie Days, you know, with the little thumbs up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, so I loved Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, um, um, uh, except back to, uh, no, it was um, Dukes of Hazzard. Then I got into the movies was um, Grease. Um, mm. So I still love Grease to this day. Certain movies, they're just like, man, like, I guess timeless, watching, yeah. yeah, they're timeless. Not only they're timeless, 
but they're also like nostalgic. You know what I mean? They they bring down they they it almost takes me to like an innocent time. Mm. You know what I mean? So they were my escape back then, and they're still my escape. It's like an escape to my childhood. I go like kind of like a time warp. Is that right? Yeah, right? something like that. Where I could go in to be this kid again. So like then back to the future, um, the outsiders, you know, oh, all that yeah, stuff. But um, you know, so I was into like you know we used to ride mini bikes. So it was a lot of like, you know, and you don't know you're like. You know, you don't know you're broke. <laughs> you're, you know, you're getting food stamps, and I'm like, you just like, oh, let's just eat a bologna sandwich. It's all good. You yeah. know, what I mean? you're not. You don't know that you're 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 uh, in the hood or the ghetto or whatever you want to call it, or you know, the inner city. You're just like when you're. That's a that's a great thing when you're a little innocent kid. Yeah. You don't know about all that stuff. You're just like, hey, I got my parents, or I got. You know, I got my my um my cousins to play with, and remember we had a lot of Christmas things, and there'll be a lot of you know a lot of us we would always have together. The family was like strong back then. It ain't, you know, we all like kind of doing our own thing now. But back then it was that that um the family foundation was really strong. As, as much as we didn't have, we had each mm-hmm. other, and it was beautiful, you know. Um, but um, but yeah, the anger really started though, like um. And I remember uh, at a young age about my my dad leaving, and then um, it was weird. Like all the bad stuff he did to my mom, like I didn't hate him for it, and I didn't hate him for leaving or nothing. I just was mad that he wasn't in my life. Yeah, uh, that was for me. Some people like are cool with that. Like my dad left, no big deal. For me, that was a big deal. Always wanted a dad to to um, uh, so my dad taught me in a sense to be a better dad. I guess you know by him leaving or whatever, but. Uh, I always wanted to, like the dad to put me on his shoulder, yeah, you know what I'm okay. saying, and take me to the park and teach me how to be a man and all that stuff. Your, was just, your stepdad didn't get a chance to do any of that. With no, you? well, I rejected it. I he did it his own way, but like I was so angry, rejected anything from him. Like you and my dad, you know, get the heck out of here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was, and then I was mean to my mom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Too before that, but my stepdad came in. So when my when my so we still lived at the same apartment. So it was on on State Street and Tweedy around there in Southgate or Linwood. And so when my stepdad lived there with us, and I felt like um, they, they like the parent. My parents back then they were winging it. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't really. Most people are. Yeah. Most people are right. You know, <laughs> even I was. I, but you know, we wanted my wife and I wanted to really break the cycle. We went into parenting classes as as adults, like That's good. marriage counseling. I mean, I'll get into it. We really went and worked and I still do, you know, but, um, back then they were really, really winging it. And, you know, so we just kind of like, um, they didn't, under, you know, there was no like, um, Hey, let's sit down and talk about your feelings and let's yeah. get you some counseling or let's, um, get you some grieving counseling. Like nothing. It was just like, you know, this is what it is. This is your dad. This is your, and I'm like, you ain't my dad. Mm-hmm. So I was like in that mode. You ain't my dad. Don't tell me nothing. If I was a little, little kid, even though he provided for us, he never molested me, never like tortured me or burned me with cigarettes, anything <laughs> weird. You know, you hear like some yeah. weird things that yeah. parents, even real parents did. So he didn't do any of that, but he was kind of rough and he, 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 he was he wasn't uh, nurturing and loving, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And and there was a thing, there was a way that um yeah I still get emotional thinking about it, bro. There was a way that my dad looked at me, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like didn't care if he had money or nothing. It was just a certain way he looked at me that was like you knew he loved me, even though again as I got older I got to learn some things about it. He had a lot of issues, and didn't know how to deal with it, you know. So he was going to drugs. I mean, you know, I heard people yeah. are getting high really, you know what I mean? They're not just partying it out there. They're, they're 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 hiding something, you know. They're are they trying to numb a pain, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I um, you know, so I that was like my my childhood um 
you know, I just started getting more angry and angry. It felt like my stepdad was more bullying me than, than teaching me how to be a man, even though everything I learned from him now, it's like, it's great, you know, it's great. I love him for it. And it, feels, it sucks because he's gone now, you know yeah. what I mean? We made peace and everything, you know, I'll talk about that. But, you know, it was very, I was very um, just angry. And then I had like, um, and I think it was too, like I had these cousins that we were close with, like half of us, there was half of our cousins that like their dads are gone or whatever. And then the other half, you know, had their dads and their, their real dads. And again, it wasn't a perfect family, but their real dads were there. Mm-hmm. And we were envious you know what I mean? We were like, man, like, you don't know how lucky you are. Even though their dads weren't perfect, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, you have your dad, you know? Yeah. So they never knew how much, um, I shared my feelings with my cousins, you know, but I had an uncle Roy Garcia. He, um, he was like a father figure to me, but he still wasn't my dad. And he was always nurturing and gave me that. He would be the guy growing up that mm-hmm. gave me the closest look that I could have of love mm-hmm. of a, from a man, right? Mm-hmm. A father figure like then my dad. And then, but at the and then there was times as they got all like, well, he's still not my dad. He's he's he has his own kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he still really, really nurtured me and and loving in a loving way, you know. That's good. Yeah. I know my father. He didn't have a father growing up, and so I know he did the best that I could. Now that I'm older and more mature, but I, I held a lot of anger in too, just the way he treated me, and you know he was he was pretty abusive too in the in the household and everything. And I always looked to whether it was my grandfather. Or I had really good godparents too that I had as male role models. And so I find that very relatable, but just that anger, you know, it's, it's funny how as like kids, you're, you're so, you can become so narrow-minded sometimes and you just, you get angry, you get caught in like your one direction of thinking and you're not open to these other things. And uh, I just remember being so angry at him for just like how he treated us. But like when you look at the bigger perspective now that I'm 25 and I, I can look at how he was raised, he didn't have a father. He had a you know, really bad stepfather. Um, so it's just you know he's he, did, he did the best he could. He gained empathy for him, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know he he battles his addiction and everything too. But he did the best he could, and that's you know that's all you can. Uh, and your dad's still in your life? No? Yeah, he's still in my life. He's still present. He's still home. He's just mentally he's not there. Sometimes he's physically there. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's a little checked out sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But no, just so go ahead and start talking about too. Your first encounter with gang violence in, oh, okay. in the streets of LA. Yeah, so so after like say Linwood, we grew up. Then we moved a little bit. We moved, dude. We lived like all over LA. We lived in Watts, Linwood, South Huntington Park. I mean, just everybody. As we got to junior high, you know, the anger got worse and all that. And then I, I was into um, I was into um, break dancing. Right. Oh yeah. Back in the days, like hip hop. Dude, I loved like the old K Day used to be an AM. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> Katie was old school, man. I was just all the scratching and mixing old school stuff. Like, I respect all the new artists today, but, dude, I bum nothing but 80s and 90s. Who's your favorite uh, artist back then? Uh, back then, oh, man, I just loved, I mean, of course I loved um, um, KRS-One, you know what I mean? Um, uh, Planet Rock, African Bambada, oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. all that stuff. Um, um, NWA, Cypress Hill, as we got into the 90s. But I think um, just all the old school hip hop. Um, um, Real quick, did you ever get a chance to watch The Get Down on Netflix? No, I haven't. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah. That's like a cool, I, I, it, it's, a, it's a fictionary story, but it has a lot about Grandmaster Flash. Yeah, Alfred Grandmaster Tomata, Flash. And it talks about that, the yeah. whole like culture of how hip hop yeah. started from disco. The scratching. Is that, a, is that scripted or a, or a documentary? It's scripted, oh, okay. so it's like an it's like a you know TV series yeah, yeah. that Netflix produced themselves. Yeah, no, so, I know about it. Jaden yeah. Smith's in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So it's one of my. It's probably my favorite Netflix show that they did. Oh really? Um, yeah. I was a big fan. I know a lot of other hip hop fans like that show too. And oh yeah, yeah. It has a love story and everything, but check it out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, I know there's an old school movie called Crush Groove, and then we watch. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up watching Beach Street and Breaking. Mm -hmm. So uh, all those songs, and then we used to take the bus on on. on we used to sneak on. The, dude, again, my parents are like I would never let my kid leave. We used to sneak. On, dude, we we're still like in elementary and going into like junior high, sneaking on the back of the bus over there in Huntington Park and sneaking in the movie theater oh, and then yeah. watching two movies and sneaking in like all day just little kids like, <laughs> I don't know what I would never I had you know would never let my kids do but so I, as I started getting older there my parents didn't want um, us to be around the gang stuff over there and um they moved us to another city, and um, and then that area they had just so happened to move in an area that was a straight like a barrio gang neighborhood. It was mm -hmm. actually even like two ways in and out. Damn. It was one of those, right? And um, so I just became friends. So I'm still you know, so then I went from break dancing and I started skating. Mm -hmm. So I was all into skating. I still love skating. I could love I watched skating videos. Like I knew who Tony Hawk was way back then. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So he was like, you know, and. Also, I went from, um, so I was like committed to, uh, when I was in doing to break dancing, pop locking, I was like committed to music and all the hip hop. And then I, I transitioned into skateboarding. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like the oddball in the areas. Like nobody was skating, especially no, like Mexican dang. kids, you know, back then. Like, it was there, it was very, it was very like a, like a white sport, you know, what I mean? uh, okay. uh, from what I've seen, you know. Um, and then, um, uh, there was a, a a guy Mark Gonzalez who's a skater. I don't know if he's still around, but back then he, he was pretty known. But um, like he was pro and had his own board and all that. But I was like really into it. I got like committed to that. Where I was like I knew how to ollie really sick and do the hit the walls and all that. And <laughs> I was like really really good at it. And then um, I jumped off a ramp. So when I, my parents moved to this other area, you know, we were in this area and I was friends with the skater kids. But the skater kids were like these. Um, snobby uh they just put me down a lot you know uh, what i mean okay. and I, I didn't it was um and again it started like even more anger right mm -hmm. and then um so i started more gravitating towards like the, the, the neighborhood kids who their families had generations of being gang members mm -hmm. so i was like gravitating gravitating towards them so then my last skate encounter was i was at the skate shop on mother's day and i went off this big ramp and I fell on my back and head and had convulsions and Ooh. just cracked my head. And then people told me I was like shaking and all that stuff. And, and I went to the hospital's Mother's wow. Day and they thought I was going to die. Yikes. I was on, on, the, on the couch for days. And my cousin just told me another story. She's like, yeah, I remember being a little kid. And they would say, go, leave him, man. They like, like you were going to die. I was all bandaged up. Wow. So that was like skating. <laughs> thing was, that was retired done. after that. Retired after that. I could never get on a skateboard again, but I still loved it. Like one day I want to make a skater movie and a breakdancing movie, or maybe I'll put them all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so that, so then I was kind of like um, already kind of hanging out with the friends, right? These other kids. And then I didn't like school. I just hated school, man. And, okay. and look at and not the education, like you need the education, you know, mm -hmm. everybody, like just sitting in class, everybody learns different. Like I like watching, I could watch a video on YouTube about a subject that I would love and I'm like taking notes and I'm into it. But like, man, it, like it's hard for me to read a book or yeah. sit in a class. But now when I took screenwriting, when it came down to like passion, if I'm passionate right. subject, so I, I took taking screenwriting classes and I could take the class, sit there and take, and I'm into it because I love it. You know what I mean? 
but uh, it came back to like the subject. And I remember I took an art class in high school, and I loved it in a computer. Mm. But then, like the rest of them, you know, I was I was opposite. I was not into sports or anything. I respect athletes, and I respect and I like a good documentary about an athlete. I think that's fantastic. And um, and a good sports movie, but my brother got more into sports. And part of it, growing up, was I hated my stepdad. Mm. I hated my stepdad, and he lo- and I hated everything he loved, and uh-huh. he loved football. Okay. I don't I don't hate football no more, but back then I just hated football, and I hated um, the show Mash because oh, okay. he was to love watching Mash, and I said <laughs> hate that the little opening. I was just like ah, oh. but like I really really hated him. And we're at a point where like when I get older, I'm like kill this guy, man. Like mm. I just hated him. Um, and I was like mad at my mom, wished her dead. I was just, I had a lot of anger, man. So when in school, I was just like, I didn't like school, started ditching and all that. By ninth grade, I got kicked out and went to a continuation school. And then um, there, and then I really started hanging out with some thug homies, right? Little mm-hmm. youngsters. But again, we're like, um, we're, 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 we're connecting because we're all like kind of angry. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We're all like, you know, and it really was like pain inside, right? And then we just, next thing you know, like we're like, you um, you go from being like, and then I have on junior house bullied. Okay. I was bullied a lot, man. Mm. And um, so just asked anger, huh? Yeah, I was just anger, and I remember like, man, this big dude, man, he used to bully me a lot, and like shoved me in the hallway, all that stuff. And I'm like, and he's like, oh, we'll meet after school. I'm like, yeah, let's go meet after school. And I got my butt kicked, but I, <laughs> I always, you know, I stood up to all these dudes, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that was like a thing where I just like, I, I even to this day, like if people like talk to me a certain way or try to. Uh, belittle me or talk down I don't like it I'm like hey whoa 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 like, like to me everybody should be I always say this everybody should be treated with the fullest respect treat every human being like an A-list celebrity you know mm-hmm. but anyways the anger got in there and next thing you know I start like um, hanging out with these guys and next thing you know we're riding in a stolen car mm-hmm. and like next thing you know there's parties and then you have access to girls and you're a young little Kid that was went from being bullied, yeah, and now you like you have access to all this stuff you really never had access to, or like girls wouldn't really look at you because you're like this little loner kid. But now like mm-hmm. it changed. Now you're a part of something. Yeah, yeah. yeah part of something. It made me feel good. But again, it's all like you're looking at the facade, right? The party, the girls, the homies. The next thing, oh hey, you just get in the hood. You're already here. You're already hanging out. All right, let's get in the hood, right? Mm-hmm. And then that that went from you know. Um, the funness, the parties, and all that, and then you're at a house that always got shot up, right? And it's like, yeah, it's fun. And then, and then there's a little little rumble here, like outsiders, you know. I mean, there's a little yeah. rumble here, rumble there, spray painting. It's all kind of like innocent. And then you're riding on stolen cars, hitting the dips, messing around, and you're just having fun, man. And then um, there was one there was one time, so like we're I'm in the hood, and I got my other guy in the hood. Like, hey, it's cool, man. Like, he this guy was still in high high school. Right, getting good grades. And so you were already at high school, and I was already at the continuation high school. I was oh, already, okay. I mean, pretty much when I went from from getting kicked out of ninth grade to continuation school, I was done. Okay, I was pretty much done. I was like, they, they, and then my mom and stepdad were pretty much there. You know, they they were like um, almost kind of like gave up. Yeah, they're like stopped talking to go to date. Did you have other siblings or? Yeah, I had a little brother. I still have a little brother, a uh, younger brother, and two little sisters who were my stepdad's real kids. Okay. So I always felt like yeah, he treated them, and... yeah, that he treated them different and all that. Um, a lot of the stuff was in my head. Really looking back, you know what I mean. He did do some stuff, but he meant well. Like he taught me about manners, and and he did school me on the street stuff, and said like, hey, you know, at very early, I remember he told me, hey. 
something you you didn't get arrested for something you didn't even do because that's how it works. Yeah. And I was like, what do you know? And he was, he, he was you know, he was from a gang and all that back in the day. Um, so I was just like, yeah, you don't know nothing, old man. You know what I mean? <laughs> but every everything he said really, and what my mom so came to came in after. So I just like started uh, getting into the gang banging, the high speed chase, and all that. But there's one particular moment where my we were having this party and um, at this house that always got shot up. And my mom, this one night, my mom just says, "I go, I'm going to so and so's house." I'm like, no, nah, you know, I have a bad feeling. Like my mom told me those exact words. I have a bad feeling. Don't go over there. I'm like, I'm going. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And then I went to, I, and I ran into another older homeboy. You know, older home. I was like 15, 16. This guy was like 23. Yeah. <laughs> he was older homeboy. <laughs> right? And he had just got out of prison too. And he was like, nah, stay right here. Because this house we were going to was in our neighborhood. It was another neighborhood. But one of my homeboys just lived there. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was like his family is from that, that particular neighborhood. But um, and my other homeboy's grandma would say, oh, why don't you guys stay here tonight? It was weird. Eh? Like everybody was sad. Yeah. Like. You know, but I'm like, nah, nah, nah. We're gonna. We have this party lineup. We have the girls. Like I said, you know what I mean. Like you're young. I have access to all this this party lifestyle now. And then I went and picked up my friend um, Gerardo Rebus, and he told his mom, "I'm with my mom." Picked him up. We we went over there. We'd get in front of the house, and um, and it was like a big main street. It wasn't like a little tiny street. It was a big main street. No cars at all. It was night. We're trying to get everybody. All of a sudden, I got like a like a check, like a feeling, like hey, we need to get in the backyard. We need to get in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And then like three cars just appeared, and like um, and they this one guy stuck his and we're like yelling our gang. He's yelling their gang, and we thought I thought we were gonna rumble. I was like, all right, we're picking up bricks and bats and all that. Like, what's up, fool? And they 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 stuck their one guy stuck his hand out, shot one single shot, yeah. and they took off. So we're like, ah, punk, blah blah blah. And then I looked, and my friend who I brought, Gerardo Rebus, his eye was shot and his eye was hanging out. And wow. He was laid out, and I'm like, you know, call that one. I remember just screaming, crying. He died at the hospital later that night. Wow. But I'll do that. Just like, man, it was it was. It changed my life forever, man. I mean, talk about guilt. I took him there. My mom told me not to, you know, and then I, he ended up dying. I remember going home crying, just like the movie, you know. Yeah. I'm like, Mom, just exactly like that. And um, she's like, what happened? And I was like, oh, he's dead, he's dead, and all that. And and um, and they're just like, you know, they didn't they didn't know to get me grief counseling or, mm-hmm. or anything. I just was like, they just, boom, made me even more angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then the day of the wake... Um, I remember we went back to the house. I remember I, was, I remember at the wake, like, nobody was crying. I mean, the family, but I mean, like, like the homeboys. Yeah. Right? They, like, they didn't, weren't even... I was crying, like, I was crying a lot, man. Right? Mm-hmm. And then um, and then I go to the house after. It was the same house that he got shot at. And then everybody's partying. What's the girl trying to get dope? And, and I'm the only one crying right there. And I'm looking around. I'm like, man, dude. And then I remember, like, a, a, a dude was, a, you know, like, OG, you know what I mean? He, he took me outside, goes, hey, man, I know you're down and all that, but, um, you know, you, you have a pass. I don't remember the words for word, but, like, you have a pass, you know, you could get out of here, you know what I mean? And I was like, nah, man, I'm, you know, I'm going to get these fools, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, really looking back, those pride and fear, you know what I mean? Of course. And um, so I stayed, and... Um, you know, you just like it was almost like the the honeymoon stage of gang of joining the gang was over. The party allow like it's real. Yeah. Reality hit like it's real, and then it's like okay, now I'm in this, and I'm in it, and then like you stay in it, and then more things happen, 
more homeboys died. Then you start seeing, for me, different people walked away for different reasons. For me, I seen, I started seeing a lot of the betrayal. Yeah. Uh, I seen like homeboys, you know, we're going to like throw down at somebody. I seen like some homeboys that I looked up to like tatted up, been a prison gangster dudes. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, that's the homie right there. I seen dudes like that run. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. During like times where I'm like, oh man, you know what I mean. Yeah, it was a second. Then you see like different homeboys, um, trying to get or or getting with other people, other homeboys' wives when the homeboy was busted. Wow. Yeah, dude. And it was that just like, huh? yeah. And they was like, what? You start seeing all that, and then I remember um, when I started getting arrested as an adult. Um, and then at this point, my mom, you know, like they would visit me in jail, I went to camp and all that. And then went to juvenile hall and then county, they would visit me and all that. Um, but I get out, do it again. You know what I mean? But I think, um, then towards the end, I was an adult, I turned 18. I remember getting busted as an adult going to the substation. And then a, a guy that was my, a guy that was my, my so-called enemy tried to shake my hand in the substation. Right. And I'm like, I ain't shaking your hand, fool. I'm gonna try to get you out there. I told him some other stuff, but yeah, yeah, yeah. keep it, keep it PG, <laughs> keep it PG. <laughs> but um, he's like, nah, homie, that's not how it is. You know what I mean? And here, you know, we all get along. You know, it's all about race. And I'm like, what? Yeah. So I'm like, cause I wasn't into drugs. I wasn't into drinking. I was just like, I was into the adrenaline and girls. You know what I mean? Let's just, um, just gang bang, man. Let's do this. Like yeah. I didn't. So when the homies were getting high and all that, I was like, let's do it. So I, um, when I got out of the substation, I, I hit up one of my old, older homies. I'm like, hey, I ran into this fool. He's the enemy. You know, he, he said, like, we don't, we don't gangbang in there. And, the, and he's like, oh, yeah. You know, I went, I, I, he told me this story. He goes, I shot some guy, paralyzed him. I went to prison. And, the, and that neighborhood, he ended up doing time with the guys of that neighborhood that he shot. And he, he, and that's how it is. And I'm like, well, what's the point of gangbanging then? Yeah. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, you're over here, you're trying to get your enemy, and then you're going to go do prison time with them and your friends? Yeah. I'm like, oh, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and I would see homeboys start getting high with enemies and bringing them in. Oh. And I'm yeah. like, it was weird, dude. I'm like, I go after the, it's from the same guys that sat you down. Are like we don't get along with these fools. We don't get along with these fools. And now you're you're slamming dope with them. Now it's okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Doesn't make any weird. sense. Like you're you know what I mean. Like <laughs> anybody that's even don't even know about gangs will know that that's this make doesn't make sense but a lot of youngsters don't know that yeah you you're in juvenile hall you're 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 if you're in juvenile um, um, elementary or excuse me junior high and high school or you're out there gang banging you think it's on mm-hmm. like now you are gonna like i ended up meeting dudes from different neighborhoods even enemy neighborhoods that were close friends to this day wow okay and what happened was as i as i was going through it i get i got arrested uh, two in two major cases i got arrested for that i didn't do and one of them was like in 92, 1992. And I didn't do it. I was reading all my transcripts. I was reading my case. I was like, I wasn't like, you know, it's my life here, right? Mm-hmm. And my crimey, you know, we both didn't do it. And he was just like, oh, he took a deal. He oh, took a deal shit. four years. It went from like 15 years to four years. He took a down. And then they came back and said, all right, here's your four years. And then, and I said, I'm not taking the deal. Let's go. I'm ready to fight it. And so the the, the people, the uh, the Peak uh, public defender came back and told my friend, "All right, you 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 sign this for your four years." And he tells me in the same moment, "All right, years dismissed." And my guy was like, oh, "You know," and um, so that case got dismissed. But when I was in there, I was fight- I had got arrested on Christmas Eve, uh-huh. and my first uh, my my ex wife was four months pregnant with my daughter. On Christmas Eve, I was picking her up, all, all cocky, 
you know, I had drugs and guns on me and all that. And I, and, and but I'll stash cops were coming by. I'm like, screw them. You know what I mean? I'm at Taco Bell littering. I was just all jacked up. Yeah. At them. And then the cop pulled up on me and started like frisking us and all. They had a flyer in me and they arrested me. So then I'm in there for four months fighting this case, which got dismissed. But when I'm in there, I'm going to Norwalk court. I ran into a OG OG. Right, mm -hmm. he was actually the older brother of the dude that offered me the pass. I just, oh, okay, okay. I just clicked on me. I didn't think about that till now. Yeah. So he was like the OG that we heard about, like a legend yeah. lifer. But he was coming back from prison, fighting like pro bono, like or uh, what do you call that? Well, I think when you're representing yourself, fighting your own case. Mm -hmm. And um, and I ran into him. I'm like, oh, damn, the OG. Like, yeah, I heard all about you, right? And I th and I told him like, hey man, you know. Like, I'm in county jail, crossing people out like juvenile. He's like, nah, like, and I'm like, people are telling me not to do that. I'm going to get checked, this and that. And he, I think, oh, look, this is how it is, young sure. He goes, as you get older, he goes, there's going to be, you're going to hate your own home homeboys, even if they have the same tattoos or whatever. He goes, and you're going to be closer. You're going to be best friends with dudes who are, are different bodies, even your enemies. Really? Because it's, and I was like, that'll never happen. Everything he said happened. She's like, I don't hate dudes from our neighborhood. I just, we don't click anymore. Mm -hmm. All we had in common was doing crime and partying yeah. with girls. They're all, like I said, I'm not into drinking beer and watching football. They are. To each their own. We don't have nothing in common. Some kept going and got busted. Some got the death penalty. And some made it out. You know what I mean? But, um, and I, there's some people, all the dudes that I work with now, um, not all of them are ex-rivals, but they're all, we're all about like family, you guys trying to make this art and be a new, uh, teach the new generation. Yeah. But so that was kind of like the ending of my, you know, and then I, and then I kept going to see more betrayal. And then at the end, it was like 1997, I get busted again for something oh, I didn't shit. do, dude. And I was like, dang, man. And, um, you know, I grew up Catholic and I was one of those guys that, like, you know, if I'm in a high school chase running from the cops, I remember one particular time, there was many, but one particular time I was hiding in a chicken coop, right? Oh, and I was shit. like praying, oh God, you know, help me get out of this. I'll yeah. change my life. And yeah, the yeah. next day I was doing it again, like, yo, I got away. I was in a chicken coop all night. <laughs> but I was in Downey one time on a, on a, in a puddle, flat on my face, my whole body flat on the roof and a puddle of water all night till the sun came up and kids are walking to school. Really? Hiding from the cops, man. And um, they couldn't get a helicopter. I could hear them walking around. And they and I got away. But I was praying, right? I was like, oh, God, I'm getting yeah. this. The next day, I was like, yeah, well, so, you know, I was, was cocky, right? <laughs> so this last time was 97. And I'm like, now I have, like, my ex-wife has two daughters. My um, my um, girlfriend at the time was my wife, Manny's mom. was uh, Manny was more months in my wife's belly yeah, yeah my mom and grandma were alive and my brother i'm fighting this case and um then i'm like damn i'm going to prison for you know you don't rap that's the rule you don't rap mm -hmm. so i'm in there all right all right i'm gonna i'm gonna do this next thing you know like they bring out and it was, it was like a movie man the next thing you know they bring out the witness he's a he was like a gang member turned witness and um oh and my lawyer mentor who had been mentoring me on the sites and like i believe in you you're gonna do something great and i'm like man she would tell me this uh, on the, throughout the years and I'm like no nah, I'm a gang member I'm gonna be in America's most wanted you know yeah, I, mean? yeah. I ain't trying to hear all that and she was a white lady from Orange County right oh, and um so cause we would do like they would bring me out to do like community um stuff for, like, not community service um I met them doing um some non-profit work like on Christmas toy giveaways and stuff okay. and then um she would just always tell me you know like oh you you like I worked, her, she's a criminal lawyer, but she also did community work. Oh, I, I know, I meet a lot of people. 
and some of them are career criminals. That's what they're going to do. Like, you're now, like, you could do something bigger. I really didn't believe her. I was like, what? But so she starts. So I say, hey, lawyer, when I'm fighting this case, remember you said you believe in me? Uh-huh. Right? I need, yeah. a, I need I need, a lawyer. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she came in. She she goes to the um, the DA and her. They go in the office, and she comes out where they're going to show the, the, them the little six-pack photos, like in Law & Order. Mm-hmm. The witness pointed me out in the photo lineup. So she comes out and tells me and my family, okay, it's going to take a miracle. He's, he pointed you up in the photo. And I'm like, man. So I'm like, so I start praying. But this time, I like, I meant it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, a I had, kind of it was a different kind of prayer. Like, I've seen so much. And I already, two years prior to that, already wanted out. But didn't know how to go about it. Mm-hmm. I just thought, like, you know, think of the movies, right? Blood mm-hmm. and blood out and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, yeah. They're going to think you're a punk or you're a coward. You start going through head trips. So, but at this point, I'm like, man, I, God, just get me out of this thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, all these things that happened to me. Mm-hmm. I got shot. I got stabbed. My friend died. My friends, more friends yeah. died. But the first one was always, like, I think the hardest one. Because it got to a point. Uh, yeah, Jerry, Gerardo Grievous. I think because after a while, and it sucks to say this, but you kind of get numb and you can't even love your homeboy anymore because mm-hmm. you know that he might die. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens to a lot of us. You don't, you, you got love for them, but you almost kind of put a wall up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, because you've been hurt so much so um so yeah so then next thing i'm fighting this case you know i'm trying to like i let my hair grow out i used to have the bald and all i let my hair grow out i had gained a little weight and i'm wearing my dockers my you know the homie it's like the courtroom (laughs) that's our court outfit Uh (laughs) some docker shirt and some docker pants and you know and then and the guy's on on the stand and he's pointing everybody out he's pointing all these other these other dudes they got busted for us, so none of us did it. Like, man, how this happened? I, I believe the cops were trying to just, you know, get it. I, I thought at the time he was just trying to, they're trying, trying to lock some fools up. Yeah, of you course. know what I mean. And somebody did probably rob this guy. It was like a home invasion thing. But these other dudes were all like um, shackled down in the county blues, ex proles and I hadn't been in prison or nothing. And um, and I had a lawyer, and I got bailed out and all this stuff. So, but he's pointing everybody out, the guy, and then it gets to me. And he goes, no, I think I made a mistake when he got to me. Dude, I'm praying, you know? I'm like, yeah. oh, God, like, please, I'm going to have my son. And I'll start reflecting on my whole life. My dad left me. I'm going to leave my son, you know what I mean? I love my daughters, too, and I was always there for them. I just, there was something about, I guess, a boy, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, having a boy. But um, I was just like, you know, so I'm in car looking at my family, and I'm like, and the guy said it wasn't, no, I think I made a mistake, you know, and then the, the, the DA's like, hey, you know, are you sure, are they are they scared, are you threatening them, are you scared, did they threaten you or something, yeah. and then the judge goes, no, you pointed everybody else out, okay, you know, so then my, my attorney ran with that, she was like, all right, based off of his Dang. change of his testimony, wow. dude, I swear, I felt like a, a, a the angel sent a light on me, like, you know, in the movies, like, ah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, man. I'm like, I am like, you know, I'm like, damn, like, I'm, like, if I don't, dude, like, it was like one of the best moments in my life, I could say, you know, because yeah. I already felt so, so um, caught up in this web, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then he, and then the lawyer says, ran with that, want to ask for a case dismissal, blah, blah, blah. And then that judge, I remember, man, Judge Rudy Reese, he looked at me, he goes, Mr. Jimenez, I have a hunch you were there, but I can't hold you on my hunch. He's like, case dismissed. Oh, wow. Dude, and I was like, out of there. And I was like, I just sat there and pondered, and I was like, man, I'll be the biggest dummy if I kept going into this BS. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I have to make a move. Mm-hmm. And the move was like, it gave me courage, you know. It gave me courage to like, okay, man, I'm gonna tell the homies, hey, I'm done, man. You mm-hmm. know, do, do, anybody got a problem? 
Um, you know, and so there's another words, if I stay and keep going, I'm guaranteed prison or death eventually. Yeah. If I leave, some people might, this was my thinking back then. If I leave or try to leave and do the right thing, um, some homies might trip and get mad and talk crap. Maybe may try to run up on me or, but there's a chance. Mm-hmm. See, if I stay, there's no chance. Yeah. But if I leave, there's still that chance that I'm just going to be able to be a father and, and do my thing and nobody's going to sweat me, right? Mm-hmm. So I went on that little like mental battle for a while. And when I left, what I found out was my homeboys, they weren't really my homeboys. Mm. But my friends, we had a friendship and they were my friends. They supported me. And what happened was, and this is what I teach with youngsters, like, and this is a thing that I used to do is like, there's a saying, ain't no half-stepping, mm-hmm. right? So whenever I said I was committed to skateboarding i was coming to break dancing i was coming into the neighborhood i was committed yeah so it's like so there'll be times when i was caught up in the gangsta where i had my kids with me and i ran into enemies and they'd run up on me some had guns knives i mean different and i was like bro i, I gangbang i never said oh i don't gangbang i got my kids i said i gangbang but i got my kids yeah in other words like you know I me mean? it's on but like hey I'm, i got you know there's some people respect and something i had some guys hit me over my grandma in the car dude crazy Damn. like some people didn't respect the rules but once I said I didn't gangbang anymore and I'm going to be a father, I knew about commitment. I knew about you know, half-stepping. And I seen other homies kind of get in the wreck because they were like, hey, I'm going to be a family man, dog, and I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to move to, to, to Riverside or whatever. I'm like, Go, you do your thing, man. Just make sure. And then they would get mad at their old lady and want to come back and party and hang out and be with some girls and get caught. I'm like, bro, you didn't want to do this and that because you said, like, you gotta commit yeah. so a lot of dudes would kind of go back and forth and I never did I just knew like okay this time I'm committed mm-hmm. I'm gonna be a dad my my son's gonna be born and I gotta make things right with my daughters they were like three or five and I just walked away but again I was committed I didn't go back and forth I didn't like I didn't like <clears throat> got in a fight with my wife Right, I didn't like go back to the neighborhood and start partying. Yeah, it's like, and I just had to go sit outside and look at the stars <laughs> or sleep on the couch. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. I had to do like the married, and I don't even do that anymore when we fight. We make peace before we go to bed every day. That's good. Um, so, so, but it took a while. So that was, you know, I just never went. And there was like some dudes that I was still close with, young shit that died in the, you know, and I was already doing my transformation mm-hmm. and I would go help at the car wash, go to the funerals. And then I even caught myself like, oh man, I, I, I even got to stop doing that. As mm-hmm. much as it hurt me, I got to stop doing that because like, what's the point? Yeah. Like again, you even know, being associated, to, yeah. even being associated, I need to be focused on, it came down to one big decision is like my kids or my gang. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, nah, man, I'm not going to do what my dad did. I'm going to be there for my kids. You know what I mean? So I really committed and I try to, do the right thing and get a job. At this point, I'm 27, no license, no car, no bank account, um, nothing. I had like zero. I was just like 27, having my third kid. True. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. My mom was still alive at the time and my stepdad. And I was like, the things my stepdad got older, we got closer you know what I mean? And I started seeing, having kids, I started seeing, and then, and then getting arrested for things I didn't do. I'm like, man, you told me that. Yeah, that's right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So then you kind of realize, like, damn, he was looking out for me the whole time. You know what I mean? Kind of like the Guardian of the Galaxy Part 2. Oh, you saw yeah, that? yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's, sometimes yeah. it's in front of you the whole time. Yeah. Might not be the way you wanted it, but like, man, so I, I really, I man, I love my stepdad. You know what I mean? That's my dad. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. both my dad, and they both helped me in their own way. You know what I mean? 
But um, so that's what I did. I committed. I was trying to get jobs, and then um, you know, nobody would hire me. You know, what I mean, and I was like, what am I gonna do? Should I go to the military? Like, nah, I don't like waking up early. Right? <laughs> Should I go back to school? Like, nah, I hate school. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I was like, I really didn't know what I was gonna do. But I was like, so nobody would hire me. Finally, Toys R Us, my girl, would. we both went to Toys R Us. They hired her uh-huh. before me. And I was like, what? I can't even get a job at Toys R Us. A few weeks later, they hired me. Um, and then she just quit because, we we, we, you know, we needed money, right? Yeah. And then I lived with her and her mom. And I was sleeping on the couch in the beginning. Then she was pregnant. So I was like, all right, just go live in the room with her. <laughs> and then, um, then I'm like, okay, I'm Toys R Us. Every time I would come home, uh, I had to work the evening so I could get a ride using her mom's car. Like, we had nothing, dude, nothing. Mm-hmm. The support of her mom was what we had, right? My, my mother-in-law. And um, I would come home at night, but I still wasn't, like, fulfilled. I'm, you know, I'm 27. Like, I'm around all these little toys. I was buying a lot of toys, Hot Wheels oh. and Batman toys, because these toys I always wanted. Yeah. But I was working, and I was, again, I was committed now to Toys R Us. Uh-huh. I was committed. Dude. I was like, I got Employee of the Month, dude. Oh, You're going to okay. see my post pretty soon about that. Okay. I was committed, got Employee of the Month. Uh, this one guy, um, this one man came on, on like, his lunch break one time, and I remember I was kind of like, you know when you're ending a job like that, you're, you're faking working, like you're fixing toys, right? Because yeah. you're, you're about to get off the clock. <laughs> so this man comes in, he's like, Oh, I need this toy, and I'm in a hurry. You know, he was polite and everything, but I remember just being aggravated. I was like, "Oh man, I'm almost about to get off." Mm-hmm. And I knew where all the, you know, Batman aisle two B, you know, Barbies and C one or whatever. I knew all the aisles. So, so when he asked for whatever toy it was, I'm like, oh, "I know where it's at. Let's go." Took him right there, got him in and out. I'm like, "Cool, see you later." The next day, they called me to the office, and when they called me to the office, like, "Scary was like, ooh, you're in trouble." Oh right? yeah, it's a bad thing, or it could be a bad thing. Yeah. So I thought it was a bad thing. And I thought because the way I was feeling aggravated that I maybe rubbed their guy the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so I go to the office and they're like, hey, do you remember a guy came in yesterday on this lunch? I, dude, I already knew who he was. I'm like, no, I don't remember, man. A lot of people come in. And I'm like, yeah, he came in on his lunch break. You helped him. And I was like, no, I don't remember. And he's like, well, he called and he rolled out this thing and he, he has said that was the best service he's oh, ever wow. received. Dude, I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> My boss was laughing. And I was like, dude, and what that did for me Dude, that really helped me. That was like a big, big thing for me. Even though it was small, man, someone took the time to call mm-hmm. and 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 write out this letter, you know. And I was like, because when you're a kid, dude, everybody tells you when you do bad. Yeah, they put you down. They put you down. They tell you. No one ever tells you like, you know, hey, good job. Or, you know, I never had that at least, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always, you're always called out for the bad stuff and yeah. nothing good. And that was the first time I got called out for the good stuff, dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then I was like, wow, that was like, that felt really good, man. That really mm-hmm. felt help, felt good. And then being around there and then I'm talking to all these other people. They're like 16, you know, and then these other managers. And I'm like, you know, they all got like, they're going to college. They got these career goals. And I'm like 27, part-time have three kids on the way, you know, oh, I'm not shit, like, this man. is my only gig. Yeah. <laughs> I got to make a move, you yeah. know what I mean? I'm a, I don't want to be a manager here, you know what I mean? <laughs> These dudes looked all miserable. Nothing wrong with that. It just, it wasn't for me. Of so course, I, would, yeah. I, I would go home and watch Jay Leno. Uh, it was the Tonight Show, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's Jimmy Fallon, but back then it was Jay Leno. And I'll watch all the celebrity interviews. And again, I love movies, you know what I mean? I loved all the, I loved Reservoir Dogs. I loved, um, Godfather, Goodfellas, you know, as it got older into the gangster movies, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but I remember watching um, three interviews that really, like, uh, spoke to me, whereas Robert Duvall, 
he was talking about how he was uh, working at the post office and it was a great job, great benefits, but he just wasn't what he wanted to do the rest of his life. Yeah. And he really wanted to be an actor. And and again, I always wanted to be in the movie business. I didn't really know actor or what that meant. I just wanted to be in the business, you mm-hmm. know. But I think as a kid, you just think acting. You don't know anything. Yeah, that's all it is. You yeah. don't think anything else, right? Uh, and then I saw Will Smith had an interview on the same show and he said that when he was a kid, his dad owned a hardware store and they were going to build a brick, brick wall from the ground up and then he said, told his dad oh dad we can't build the wall and every day they would go out there and build that brick wall and finally the wall was done and his dad told him look you see that son you never say can't mm-hmm. and those things were just like speaking to me right and then the Quentin Tarantino one was on there and he was saying um, promoting res- he was like drunk man he was promoting <laughs> Reservoir Dogs and talking about how he didn't have a license he'd been in jail and you know how I remembered it it's on YouTube somewhere but how I remembered it's like anybody could go to oh because I was remember I was a I had a felony, right? No license. I was short, cholo, gangbanger, Mexican. Yeah. Like, who's going to hire me? That was My confidence was so low at this point. Yeah. I went back to... It was almost like in Superman 2 when he lost his... Um, old Superman. Oh, okay, you know, okay. when he lost his powers, he's like... He's back at the with his glasses. And he's uh-huh. just got no, so that's how I was. Like, all right, the gangster stuff was done. That party lifestyle. You know, my backup. You know, I was back to just being a normal citizen, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember just feeling um, really low confident. I'm like, nah, you know, Hollywood's not gonna accept me. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? I could barely get a job at Toys R Us. Who wants to hire me? But he said, like, yeah, nobody cares uh, if you've been in jail. You know, in, in some way, something like that. I just remember I was like, oh man, I'm gonna give this a try. Mm-hmm. Screw it, I'm gonna try. And I'm scheduled with my my girl. So then I remember we had a schedule to use her mom's car again. I was like, I remember my mom with my mom loved the movies. She loved Lucille Ball, Frank Sinatra, Jack Nicholson, uh, Terms of Endearment, all these um, Travolta. She just loved movies. So sometimes when we were young, we I remember being in the car with her, um, saying, "Oh, look, a movie set, mm-hmm. right." as a little kid right yeah. or watching the Oscars and all that so all these things started coming up so I really got that love I think from my mom uh, so I remember I'm like hey we could you know move in Hollywood and downtown they're always filming mm-hmm. so I told her which is gold so my plan was well I wonder was like I go we went to see Titanic at the Mads Chinese Theater mm-hmm. coming out of that there was all these traders I'm like oh what are you guys filming oh Rush Hour 1 and I had seen like oh, a little shit. promotional thing right there yeah. I'm like oh snaps alright Jackie Chan and like yeah we're filming tomorrow but the, the trucks the security guard was hanging out with the trucks overnight you know uh-huh. the honey wagons and all so I'm like oh I'll just come tomorrow and just walk up to Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker and ask them how to be in the movie business <laughs> yeah yeah that was my plan <laughs> it sounds I know dude I'm yeah. like I'm like that's it I'm gonna get in the movie again once the light bulb went on dude that's just how I am I mean nothing gonna stop me yeah, except that yeah, I'm committed right so the next day I didn't have a license I didn't have my mother-in-law's car cause she had so I asked my brother hey man like you know, tomorrow I need to ride to Hollywood. They're going to be filming. I'm going to go on the set. Dude, I was so excited. And, and I hate waking up early, you know. So I got up extra early that day. And then he dogged me out. And then he didn't, he didn't ranch. And then finally I got home. And I go, what? You know, custom. I'm like, well, what the hell? You yeah, it's lame. You ain't going to be in the movie business. Because it, all my families are like, dude, you're a cholo. You're a gangster. Yeah. You're a skater. Like, get out of here. They're putting limits they're, on They're you. clowning me because they like, never really stayed with anything. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, nah, I want to do this. So I just kept, we kept getting her car, her mom's car pregnant now she's like six months pregnant and the plan was like you were just gonna go to any movie set drop me off and go around the block mm-hmm. until i just come back out so that's what it was so it was almost like a she was my getaway driver and i was on a mission <laughs> right <laughs> so we would just you know we get off and go up to people and no nah, we're not hiring you know no nah, just rejected rejected and i was like 
man, how am I, you know, it wasn't ever like, oh, I'm going to throw in the towel. Like, okay, it was always like, okay, how am I going to do this? Okay, let me try another angle. Let me try. Finally, I snuck all the way on set where mm-hmm. I saw all the food and everything. I'm like, oh, man, oh, I got to do this, man. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, man, I want to do that. I'll sweep. I'll do it for free. I'll do security. And they're like, no, we're not hiring. We have everybody. You know, just keep trying, kid, you know. I was like, man. So I go back outside and I'm waiting for my girl to come back, right? And there's a dude, uh, it was a white dude with the dreadlocks and he's smoking a cigarette. I'm like, oh man, you know, hey, how, what, you know, I want to get in the movie business. How, how, how can you break in, bro? And he goes, oh, I'm just an extra. I'm like, how's my another one? Like, oh, you know what I mean? I was like, bro, you're my hero. Like, how can I be down, right? He's like, oh, just call this number, Central Casting. I'm like, cool. I got a legit number. My, my girl jumped in. I'm like, I got a number. It's all, right? Yeah. So we didn't have cell phones or nothing. You know, this is 97, right? So we get home. I remember calling the place. They're like, Central Casting. It was already late. Yeah. This place. Like, they have overnight people there. No, Central Casting. And I just hung up. I'm like, oh, man. I was like nervous. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's real. And then I called back. I'm like, hey, I want to be an extra. Like, union or non-union? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, oh, you're non-union. Okay. <laughs> so then they send you to recording, to register and all. So I'm like trying to go dress like for court, right? <laughs> I'm trying to not be a gangster anymore. I'm trying to like do this. Dude, I was on a new mission. I go over there. And next thing you know, like I book an extra job. Uh, I was called Deep Impact. Oh, okay. It was a big crowd scene. And I remember getting on set. It was at Universal Studios. All the food and everything. I started meeting people. And I right there, I'm like, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Okay. It was like probably like 98 now. Did you get paid for that? The, yeah, I got paid. It was like... It was like forty bucks or something oh, yeah, for yeah. like eight hours, and then after taxes, you know, oh, no, I think wow. it was like sixty bucks after oh, wow. taxes, like forty bucks. But yeah. I was like, that, you know, I was like, I was on a mission, mm-hmm. and um, but then after like, you know, um, they, they kept asking me to play gangbanger. I go, oh, you gonna play gangbanger? So I'm like, oh yeah, I got all the gear, right? So I'll be on all these. There was a show on Showtime back then called Resurrection Boulevard. I worked on that. All. So I started seeing like, oh, like oh, I know, I know. You know, like, I had a couple homies. Like you know, once I got in, I'm like. Hey, yeah, you know, they want to. Um, I could call them. Hey, you want to work in the movie business? Well, I, I started meeting other homie type dudes mm-hmm. that were like me, and um, so I would start like, yeah, I could get some homeboys, and I knew dudes that had lowrider cars, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I know some, you know. So I was like, I could get that. So I started like kind of like, you know, like yeah. So I'm like, oh man, I, I don't care about the money. Like I'm gonna just put in work now, like I did in the neighborhood, make my my name, make my way, and like have something to offer I was just like let's go and I wasn't making any money doing that and some people started um, recognizing and nurtured me and mentored me and then some people kind of took advantage of me you know what I mean mm-hmm. but I was like cool I still did my thing and I started learning the rates asking people and um, you know we got burned a lot of times you know what I mean yeah but, as it kept going on kept getting this homeboy that homeboy and I started being the no, the go-to guy for homies and I was like oh I gotta get a house I got, you know some homies I got a clothing line yeah yeah. I started just being like the go to guy then I met another dude then I met um, Noel G and then my buddy Jesse and then we're like we started a company together and we're like hey man like you know um, and then Noel he was a, he was an actor actor he started working you know um, a lot of people know him as Hector but a lot of us started working as an actor at, like Fast and the Furious and stuff so then he got us all in mm-hmm. and next thing you know I'm working with the casting people and the location and the uh, car people going out to real street races getting a bunch of cars and stuff so we started just like providing a service wow. and it kind of kicked off and then um um, and then I started seeing like, and I did like some little bit of acting and stunts and I was like, I like, I just didn't like it. I didn't like the way I didn't, I didn't, um, it didn't feel fulfilling for me. I just was more behind the scenes guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just didn't like it at all. 
But uh, but I like the you know so I started looking like and then I started like kind of breaking down like where does the movie come from? I'm like oh the script. Yeah. The light bulb went on. I'm like oh, I'm gonna write a script one day. Okay. Right. And that was so it was early. And then I bought the Sid Fields How to Write a Screenplay book. I had it in my backpack for years. Never read it. Read like through it. Uh-huh. And I told you I'm not really. I had a lot it's of ADD, reading, yeah. you know. But now now I am now like I'll, I'll read a lot of scripts and stuff. But back then, but I was just like finding my journey, uh, learning about this and uh, providing all these different aspects of uh, um, working with all these different departments because mm-hmm. they're all broken up in department heads. There's the makeup department, the, the um, wardrobe department. Okay, the yeah. Cases, all, the, all the productions are broke up in the department. And then the over the person that overlooks everything is the producer mm-hmm. and then the director and writer. So I knew, you know, I was like, okay. And I said, I'm going to write a script one day. Oh, I'm going to direct one day. You know, and mm-hmm. I started really building my confidence, bringing all this stuff together. Then I formed a, a Suspect Entertainment and formed a real life, a, a legitimate um, um talent management right and and uh, consulting and then one of the big gigs was training day yeah they hired me on training day yeah i wanted to and, ask about that because that's one of my favorite movies of oh all time. yeah it was really cool man um my friend Dee, Dee Walsh, she um she was one of the ones that really nurtured me i remember i was helping her we were going to all the real locations doing these open call castings and you know i wasn't i was never like how much are you gonna pay me i was never that it was never about that i was like let's get it done let's get it done like mm-hmm. i was about like learning like you're this is my film school yeah you know what I'm saying oh, so That's good point. and I'm like there learning and then I remember one day she took me in her office and she gave me a stack of time cards she goes here fill out time cards for every time we, we met I'm like oh snaps cool you know okay, what I mean yeah. so like that was the the pay's always just been a bonus yeah you know what I mean it wasn't like a lot you know what I mean I think people think you're in Hollywood you're rich you know I'm like the ones that are rich are celebrities mm-hmm. or actors that are on the TV series for years yeah you're, you're pretty good but anybody else under that you know we're grinding still yeah. you know what I'm because you could have a good like I'm having a pretty good December but the whole year wasn't so good you know what I'm saying like <laughs> yeah. this is how it is you know that's yeah. why you gotta learn how to budget your money and but you enjoy what you do which makes it all I love it so I, I worked it. on a Sunday I'm like it's not even work for me it's truly not even work for me so as we're going on, also a training day, I'm working, they asked me to, um, from, I went from helping them doing the casting to, hey, they need a consultant with Cliff Curtis, the actor. He's from New Zealand. We need to make him authentic. I'm like, cool. Met Candia's major, major big time uh, makeup artist in the business. We became friends. We happened to live by each other. We're at his house. So now we're going to like put tattoos on this guy and fix his hair. And, and so I'm like, hey, when's this guy coming down? And he had just came off of um, this movie called Collateral Damage with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, okay. He was playing a terrorist on there. Oh, so when he came in, he came with his hair all crazy and oh, wearing like tight pants. And I'm like, hey, when's this fool at? I also kind of raw back. I'm like, when's this, where's this fool at? Where's he coming? He goes, he's right here. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? All right, we got to, like, you're OG, so you're not going to go bald, but you're going to cut your hair and slick it back. It's a pump. I like, just started like, doing yeah. all the stuff that I learned. I was just like, this, you know, it was like a straight, homie boot camp you know what I mean? <laughs> and he was down with it and i was like he was committed and he learned that you know um he learned everything to make fake mustache you know that whole scene he, he really got down um but as we're going through the script too that was really like oh i gotta write a script like, i was like another one i'm going through the script and i was like i could i could write a script i could write a script you know mm-hmm. uh, and then i worked on like a lot of it so that was great mm-hmm. got to be on the set you know i met denzel but i already knew about being in character you watch but i'm like what's up alonzo yeah, I didn't call him Denzel. It was Alonzo. Yeah. Shook his hand, you know what I mean? Yeah. I already knew, like, you know, so I was pretty sick, you know what I mean? And then um, 
um, all the all the guys. I got pictures of all of us on sets. I'll be posting. I got like twenty something years of stuff yeah. that's gonna be on. Instagram. So, like, quick question: yeah. Like, at the end of training day, does your name pop up? No, I list? didn't know about oh, that back okay. then. I didn't know about getting a credit and all that. Okay. I was that was so still learning. Okay. So, so on IMDb, it's uncredited. Mm-hmm. But um, so after after I learned, I'm like, oh man, yeah. So after that was one of those things. Like when I did Criminal. Uh, with Diego Luna and John C. Riley, I got a credit on that. Okay. Right? Because I, I'm like, oh man, I make sure it's on the contract with credit because <laughs> yeah. I didn't get that on training day. <laughs> I truly didn't know about that. Uh-huh. How, how I didn't even know I could ask for it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I would have been dope, you know, because training day he won an Oscar, you know. Yeah. But but it was still good. Like I had the experience. People know it's a feather in my cap. And it was, it, people that know the business know, like they know that I was part of that. Mm-hmm. And, and my team, you know, it was a lot of us. So that was cool. But um, and then I worked on a lot of independent uh, films. And then there were some that I wasn't, I'm not going to mention them, but I was just like, oh, my God, well, you know, it didn't come out like I envisioned it or I wanted. And that's why I was like, even more, like I have to write and direct my own thing, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm always going to be at the mercy of someone, the, else, of yeah. someone else. And um, as much as like talent, they would hire me as a consultant. And then sometimes then, then I started being able to um, um, ask for a producer credit. You know what I mean? So I started learning about the credits. It's like, oh, forget a consultant. I want a producer credit. You know. Yeah. So I started going from consultant to associate producer, co-producer. You know. And then the more that I brought to the table, I mean, pretty much I had been producing. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't getting the credit. You know. So I um. But then I was like, yeah, I needed. I just really need to buckle down and learn how to do this stuff myself and make my own movie. You know. That was always just getting like more and more. That 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 seemed to be more of um, my calling. Uh, helping people that's always I'm gonna do that mm-hmm. always that, you know but as a manager I started booking getting the, the, the what's called the breakdowns and you get all these different breakdowns of like we're looking for this cast and, and they're looking for actors not, yeah. like this not background we would still get people called for background but now you're going in these guys are going in audition for speaking roles okay. booking commercials and then like Cesar Garcia you know he booked Fast and the Furious and Breaking Bad um and then we're like, we did like tons of commercials and music videos. Uh, but then it was still like, we didn't have all oh, Gridiron Gang. We had three oh, bookings on that. Yeah, yeah. We, had, we went to go to the premiere. They That's gave us right. tickets and we're all suited up. And we used to sneak into those things. SWAT, worked on SWAT, the uh-huh. movie. Um, and it was cool, man. You know, I would like, you know, I would have like the, the big director calling me like, yo, man, you know what? Uh, we need this. And then these people would want to interview them to talk about me. You know what I mean? Worked out with David Ayers after training day. He wrote training day and then he went on to do... Um, um, he wrote on uh, Fast and the Furious mm-hmm. um, and SWAT. Uh, he co-wrote it, but then he went on to make Harsh Times and mm-hmm. his career kicked off. So we hopped him on Harsh Times. So we all we had a cool relationship there. Um, but then like the press started calling us, dude. And they're like, um, and they started working with the Steve Norio and Mystery Cartoon. Uh, Steve started doing all our photos, got us our first magazine. Wow. And then my friend Sam Slavic got us, uh, he did a big article on us on Alley Weekly. We're on the cover page. Yeah. So then that thing led to another article and then Fox News and ABC News, CNN. Next thing you know, we're like on all this press and that it really made people think like, oh, they must like, none of what he paid us. We're not getting paid for none of that stuff, <laughs> yeah. right? We're all pretty much making like minimum wage, but we're doing what we love. Yeah. You know, or, or the actors. where you guys started too. That's like, that's a huge story in itself. Yeah, and then and then all the guys that were working actors, you're, they're getting paid what's called scale. So it's 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 a good money. Like if you break it down per day or say a three month gig, 
it's great money for the average working person. But again, then you don't book your auditioning. You don't book for the whole year. That money has to last for a year, two mm-hmm. years. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of these dudes will book something and quit their day job. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> oh, yeah, I made 30 Gs. I'm like, yeah, but like, that's not going to last. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> they start thinking. That was a kind of a thing when people book early on, too early in their careers. They get a little cocky and think it's always going to be like that. Okay. You know, so I always like there's some people that are booking slowly, building a career in time. Mm-hmm. Even like for me, I think it's better that way for me because one, it keeps you humble, it keeps you grateful, and it keeps you like you're working your craft. You know what I mean? And then you have longevity. You're going to see like, oh, you see if you really, this really for you. This see if you really love it. Like I had a guy tell me the other day, he goes, oh, I'm not really going to drive to, I'm going to drive to acting class from, um, from Rancho Cucamonga to LA. I was like, bro, then you don't really want, then you don't really love acting. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo used to drive once a week from San Diego. Oh shit, to LA. To LA. Wow. And and being class with Benicio del Toro, it's on it's on YouTube. And he told him, he's like, hey, they would say, hey, let's go hang out after class, right? And he's like, nah, I gotta get home. He's like, where are you coming from? San Diego. And, like, oh, and then Benicio's yeah. telling him it's those Hollywood roundtables. I watch all that. So that's school for me. He was like, I knew you were gonna make it. Cause that's commitment. Yeah. So that's how my friend, you can't drive from Rancho, bro, to class. And maybe acting's not really your thing. Maybe it's something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? But so I, I started getting transitioning into, started getting overwhelming. Uh, we worked on Ali G. I worked with Diego Luna. It started getting overwhelming in the sense like some dudes started like, some guys were still raw. I mean, we all did None of us really like worked on ourselves. You know yeah. what I mean? Our money management, our anger skills. Our we all had like oh child support. You know what I'm saying? We we were all like done with start of. We were done with like gang banging, mm-hmm. but we still had a lot of like um, just like hood tendencies. You know, uh, the behavior was still there. We didn't. We, we still needed to learn a lot of life skills. Yeah. So I started realizing these don't need a manager. They need like counseling. You know, even myself. Mm-hmm. And um, and they got to a point where some dudes were doing some stuff, and they got burned and stuff. Where where I was feeling like I wanted to get gangster with them, and I was like, if that's that's not good, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was time to like, yeah, I need to wrap this stage of my life up and not manage anymore, and not do casting and really focus on what I really need to do, which is. Um, filmmaking right screenwriting mm-hmm. and all that but I still but I still then I came to realize as I was doing that transition it's like I could still mentor mm-hmm. you know what I mean Either I, even though I always mentored but like in other words I could still mentor somebody's career and they don't got to pay me a, a, a manager fee okay you know what I mean for the dudes that are really with it yeah but I don't got to be like their day-to-day manager always checking calling me. and texting yeah, yeah. and, and you know, we didn't even have texting. <laughs> we were still on the pagers. Oh shit! Okay. You know, pagers and um and not even faxing. But but the ones that we really, the ones that I just saw were really committed. I'm like, I'm gonna keep helping them get an agent. And I knew kind of all the how it all worked. You know, I'm like, hey, look, you got to get in class, do um um get an agent and, and all that, and and just keep hitting the auditions. And and a lot of them kept going. Like Luz Mancada, he went on to be in Breaking Bad. He's mm-hmm. one of the twins. I managed him. Oh, wow. Yeah, I managed little Rob, Trigger, um, Triggs, you know, people mm-hmm. know him as Triggs, Mike Pebley, Cesar Garcia, Noel G, uh, a lot of these guys. And then as I, as I was transitioning and I was done with that chapter, I meet a lady at a, um, I meet a lady, on, my son was acting, his little man, he was acting as a young kid still, I mean, started acting like seven, eight years old, going on short film, and I meet this lady and she's like, oh, hey, I need you, um, I you know, I want you to meet my son. And I'm like, who's your son? You know, and I was like, she tells me a picture. I'm like, oh, I don't really do that anymore, but I'll meet with him because you, he's your mom. That's cool. I meet with him and it's Richard Cabral from the Mayans, right? Oh, wow. And he's like, tells me, oh, my agent said I'm a natural. I'm like, 
no, 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 bro. Dude. Like, you really want to do it? Like, I was so like done with kind of working with the homies. He got like he got the best and the worst of me at that time. Because mm-hmm. I was like, is he gonna be another dude? Like the rest, like the most of them, not all of them. But like I said, some of them, you know, didn't really take it serious. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, listen, bro. I go, if you really, really want to do this, like you got to get an acting class. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. You know what I mean? And next thing you know, and we stayed in contact for a little bit. Next thing you know, dude, he's like. He's on the mine. I mean, he's on um, Southland, and then oh, he booked okay. in the watch, and then my son booked in the watch, and then my son's the one that saw him on Southland crying. The cops are gonna kill him. He's crying. He goes, he's like, Dad, Dad, there's this cholo crying on, on on Southland, and I come out and look. I'm like, Oh, slaps! That's the dude. He wasn't yeah. with the acting class, you know? I'm yeah. Like, yeah, right on. <laughs> you know, so we're like, you know, I'm like, Bro, get down. You know what I mean? He did it because I wasn't sure if he was. You know? Yeah. Because I met him like the old Richard Gabra. I guess he went by Baby Joseph, and he was like. Still all thuggish, you know what I mean? Oh, and now okay. he's like, he's wearing skinny jeans. His whole demeanor changed. I'm like, hey, what happened? He goes, acting class. And he was working with Anthony Gallardi, who helped. Like, he just tried, he really took it all the way. Next thing you know, dude, he gets an Emmy nomination, which is huge, man. For People, which, uh, what, which for, uh, for American Crime. Okay. And I remember watching the series. I watched all of it. I watched everything he did. And then at the end of the series, I told I told him like, he's gonna get Emmy nominated, guaranteed. Oh, nice. I knew it because of what he did, because he didn't just play the the one tough homeboy. He got vulnerable. He did some real acting, uh-huh. and he did. And I, I and he still returns my calls. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always nice. Uh, yeah. to, but um, so that was, you know, and then um, and I would, you know, I just kept working on my craft, and then I was like, okay, it's time for me to really, you know, like I need to learn how to write a script. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then my I met my guy Seth Eisler, who was uh, a fr- uh, my partner, and we met, we worked together. He said, hey, would you be down to take a, a, a production class at UCLA Extensions? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I need it. Now let's do it. And then he even goes, I'm even going to pay for it. I'm like, Dang, even better. better cool, yeah. man. And he's like, and so he didn't think I was going to follow through. I remember being in class. He's a white dude, right? We're really close friends at this point. But I remember we first met and I was like, who's this white dude? What do you want? I was still like thinking like that. But we went to class and I would take all my, because early on in Hollywood, I was uh, craft service, even though it's free, but I would take. I would pack my backpack with all kinds of. I would steal food. <laughs> it's, oh yeah, <laughs> it was free. I'm like, it's free. You know, I said, well, yeah, I'll have a white regal, and my whole trunk would be full of Twinkies and sodas, and I would come home. And but um, so I would. So when we're we're in the class. I'll take my backpack full of snacks, you know, and um, and then another friend. I told, hey, take this class. Well, so we'd be in the back just munching, making noise, and taking this class and having a good time. And he's like. I didn't think you would take the class. I thought you'd be uncomfortable. I'm like, why? He goes, oh, I don't know. Just maybe out of your, out of your, and I'm like, nah, I'm out of your uh, comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, I want to do this. You know what I mean? So I learned from that. And then I knew, then I started like, oh, what other classes do they have? And then I seen uh, uh, those screenplay, screenwriting classes, like on writing, t- tele- I wanted to write a TV show. Uh, my buddy turned me on to Sopranos, a DVD box. Oh, so okay. I was like, oh, I want to write a TV show. Because uh, I was always thinking movies for a long time, long time. Then I went and took a class on how to write a TV pilot, no, how to write a TV show, and I had to write like a sample Law and Order. Then I took another one, how to write a TV pilot, uh, and I got my first A plus, dude. This I'm 35, oh, yeah. my first A plus. Remember, dude, I hated school, dropped out. Man, dude, for, I felt good, dude. I was like that. That was like the when I got the employee of the month and all oh, that, yeah, right? All over again, Russ, I was like, oh man, my A plus, and my guy missed one day, and he's a white dude, older, a little older than me, and he got an A, and I'm like, foof. I burned you. I got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, and, and and the teacher Lawrence, she we became really good friends, 
And um, she's still my uh, script consultant. I'm 47 now, so it's been mm-hmm. from 35 to 47. Mm-hmm. She's still my script consultant to this day. So just like actors have coaches or boxers or athletes, mm-hmm. she's my coach that reads my scripts and will give me notes. And I take the notes to elevate the script. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a note I don't agree on. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's a, not a good note for this. It might be saved for another script, but all this other thing. So any note that elevates a project, a mm-hmm. script, like, well, I like that. I, you know, you can't be about... My stuff's the best thing. No, you have to be, as a filmmaker, they say that if you're going to write a novel, you're going to do it alone. But you're going to write a movie, screenplay, or or you're co- uh, making a film, it's a collaborative thing. Mm-hmm. So she's still been working with me today. But I really started, Um. so what happened was going from where I live to, to UCLA, paying 500 bucks to the class. Yeah. You know, on a Wednesday at 7 o'clock, you're hitting traffic, you're paying for parking. Yeah. I mean, it's a mission, right? Mm-hmm. So what happened was, and then you got homework. So help me, help me. I had lack discipline when it came to like writing and reading and all that. Yeah. So going to class really like taught me structure, taught me. I learned a lot about screenwriting, but I really learned was about getting disciplined, mm-hmm. right? And then after I took one more other class, uh, James Franco had this little studio. He had some teachers that worked, but the class was under his name in North Hollywood. And that was for feature film writing. I had already wrote some. Uh, I had already written some bad screenplays, which I thought were the greatest thing in the beginning. And then I look back, like, oh my god, they were like so bad. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I can't believe I gave these to people. <laughs> uh, but I went. So, uh, but again, now I'm like the new Manny. You know what I mean? I'm like really. So I, I had, and I had already been doing all the research online. You know what I mean? And um, and then I, after I took that class, the, the 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 screen, the movie writing one, met some really good people, and I'm in there. And as I'm as they're teaching. They started teaching things that I already knew forward and backward. Wow. So I'm like, okay, that's enough school for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all about the doing now. Okay. You know how they say you could have courses on, on swimming, but yes. <laughs> like go out and swim, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, you got it. driving. Yeah, you can read exactly. that book over. And like, unless you're going to drive. So I was like, okay, I, I got it now. And I already had a second chance. You know, I was, I, and through all this stuff, I'm still like, I'm doing youth counseling. I got hired at a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. When I left the management thing, I went through this kind of limbo where like going to school, but I'm like, okay, they hired me to do nonprofit work. And I worked for Tribeca. Okay. I worked for so- SoCal Crossroads and Tribeca teaches LA. It was their first, because Tribeca Film Institute is in New York. Mm-hmm. We did the first Tribeca LA in Lenox Middle School. Okay. So they, they, they did a background check on me and they, they knew that my crimes came up but they knew that they said okay we're gonna still hire you because i don't have any sex crimes you know what i mean mm-hmm. for the record <laughs> you know so they gave me they, they hired me paid me well and they gave me i had keys to the bungalow and the our middle school dude you uh-huh. know i thought like wow parents and teachers and principal they're trusting me right here yeah it was pretty cool and we're teaching and then tribeca provided uh, computers macs and cameras and everything so we're teaching the kids all this stuff and that was pretty cool and then we got to go to new york we met De Niro, you know what i mean oh, it was dope, okay man. I got introduced to him as Bob, so you know it was pretty cool, man. And um, and a lot of people didn't know him. They're like, they knew me at the Fockers. I'm like a Bronx Tale, yeah, <laughs> my favorite. Oh, Bronx Tale, that's like my absolute. If okay. I was stranded on an island and I look at one movie, it's a Bronx a Tale, Bronx man. Tale. Okay. That has every message in there, and it's and it's still got some gangster stuff in there. Yeah, you know? but the message, man, is is sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, yeah, so 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 I'm doing all that. I'm doing the screenwriting thing, and then my then I then I get my I meet uh, my son, Manny Junior's friend, best friend, Diego's older brother. We always knew he was like making. I go, yeah, I need another another teacher artist for the, the second year. So I met with him, 
and we we gelled this guy Saul Cervantes and he worked with this. We started doing these little little PSAs and working with. I just seen how he was. He was good with the kids. I'm like, okay, cool. I like this guy, and we just jowled as on a human level, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, hey man, I always wanted to do like this short film, you know what I mean? And and I still I was like kind of lacking confidence, you know. He went to film school, you know okay. what I mean? He had yeah. really shot some stuff, but he really liked it. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So then after that second chance, the movie, that's when we did the short film, and um, um, I didn't put it on YouTube. We just tried to do the film festival thing for like a year, dude. Mm-hmm. So, so, so as we're trying to, so we re, we're trying to we submit the short film to all the film festivals. At the same time, I uh, finished the class at the James Franco studio and I wrote a feature film, Second Chance, in seven days. But remember, I sat with that story for years. Yeah, of course. So, and I had it. Now I knew screenwriting, you know, structure, and so I had a little baby outline. And I locked myself up because I already knew. I'm like, man, if I try to do this here and there, like it ain't going to happen. I told my wife, like, I need to do this. I'm going to lock myself in the room. I'm going to put seven-day deadline. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dig this, make this whole script in seven days. Dude. So the, it was at the point where I was like unshaven, drinking. I was like Doc from Back to the Future, <laughs> like a straight mad scientist. Yeah, yeah. Nobody could come in. They had a slider paper under the door. Mm-hmm. My, everybody knew, like, I was in the zone, dude. Wow. So I do like a, I get like a music playlist. That I have sometimes mm-hmm. it's a I'll have a song over and over just for a scene, and um and I started writing in the characters different characters point of view mm-hmm. like day one I'm gonna be this character day two I'm gonna be in this character and all the characters are really things I experienced and lived mm-hmm. right and I'm writing this stuff and I'm writing Carol my mom writing dialogue of my mom mm-hmm. writing dialogue of my stepdad yeah. writing these childhood memories. Dude, talk about therapeutic, bro. Yeah. Man, I mean, I cried and grieved oh, wow. all over again. It was deep. And that's what I tell artists. Like, if you're not crying and you're not laughing, you're not digging deep enough. Mm-hmm. You have to dig into that pain, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially a writer, especially actor. you got to channel all that. And that's how you find healing, man. Channeling all your pain into your great art. And even if you're not an artist, whatever you're doing, you know what I mean? Go, like, like I said, through all this stuff. Like my mom died. My stepdad died. My grandma died. I had a nephew murdered. Friends are still dying. I still got to keep it going. Yeah. I still got to keep it going. So I got into depression. I didn't drink, I said, and, and smoke, but I got into eating, just eating oh, my feelings. Okay. I got really big, got diabetes, type 2, and then um, high cholesterol. I was really depressed on Mother's Day and the holidays. Mm-hmm. I just missed my mom. I remember like when I was young and angry at her, I, I had to wish her, I wish you would have died instead of my dad. Damn. You know, so that, 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 um, you know, I couldn't even talk about it before, you know what I mean? But what happened was how I made peace with all that was like, I was like, okay, look, man, go, like I said, I went to church, marriage counseling, anger management, three different parenting classes, one by myself, one with my wife, and then one as a family with, with, my, with Manny Jr. And um, which I was like, man, I want to be a better, I want to be better, man. I was like, I grew up, I mean, I didn't, I, I, you know, I cussed at him and yelled at him. And even though it was like to do the right thing, yeah, I didn't go about it the right way. And I, I deeply regret that. And I'm always, forgive me, son, I'm sorry, man, I did it. You know what I mean? I, I really was just trying my best to, yeah, you know, and he, dude, like, I'm proud of my son, man. Like since he's 18 till now, 22, never asked us for gas money, nothing. He's just been doing his own thing, takes care of his business. We bump heads here and there, but now we know how to bump heads respectfully. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Talk it out. Like, all right, we just don't agree. And I had to, I had to took, it took me like a good two years to really like, well, it took me like a lifetime, but it's the specific two years of me like trying to transition from being a, a dad to, to, um, 
to a young man. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to be a dad to a young man. Mm-hmm. I never had that. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I never was taught that. You know what I mean? But I just was like, okay, I know how to respect my friends, right? These yeah. other young men I have to respect him the same way. Makes sense, yeah. right? What's and, the What's the hardest part about? Because it sounds like you're very busy when you're doing the school at UCLA. What was the hardest part about just like juggling all that work alongside of being a parent and just being with your family? You know, it's crazy because um. I always thought about my childhood dream was just to be in the movie business. So my, mm-hmm. my that dream came true a long time ago. Then when you're in there, you wish this would have happened. You wish you wanted, you know, I had the offers of my life rights and all that. And it was good. And then it went away. Um, but it was all preparation was already. So basically all these things that didn't happen was a good thing mm-hmm. because I was able to be be there for my kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, even though like, oh, man, you're you're, you're still got to hustle for money or whatever. But I was able to be at my my like my kids lived in Fontana. Right. My mm-hmm. daughters. And then. Um, our son lived with this, but I was able to take him to school every day. I knew all the teachers. I knew the principal. Okay. I was at all, every school event, and then I would drive to Fontana, you know, hour drive in traffic, and then see my kids for like five minutes, get a little award, you know, wave, all right, take yeah. pictures, gotta go. Yeah. And they just like, they, they always remember that. It meant that the world to them, you know, especially mm-hmm. your little kid. And I like made peace with my ex-wife. She's remarried, and we're all sitting there, you know, saying, yeah. hey, how you going? You know, and they'd like, you know, and I got my, my, my daughters have a great stepdad, man. Been good to them, man. And I always respect that. I was like, I never like hated on the dude. I was like, hey, man, that was cool, man, because I hated my stepdad. You know? <laughs> like, you're a good dude, man. And um, we're still we're still cool to this day. You know, you never had any issues. You know, growing up, how we grew up is like F the ex and her old man and all that. You know? yeah. But um, but so I so I, I made time. You know what I mean? to be there but it was just it just kind of worked out you know what I mean mm-hmm. I was able to I started getting in he started doing a little place at the school and I remember filming him and all that oh, nice. and then um, he did this one. I'll, I'll send you some of this stuff man I remember um, he did this little one man show my friend Seth he did this thing called one, the Godfather workout where he played all the characters in the Godfather and okay. would jump across the tables and all that so when he had the, the little talent shows coming up like oh we should do this oh no he had a like audition or something or, or, or something I forgot what happened but is it high school or middle school? No, middle, middle school. No, no, this is um, elementary school. Okay. So I remember they were doing this little talent show, and I remember looking at them, and I told them from early on, I'm like, hey, you always got to at least try. Yeah. As long as you try, doesn't matter. So they were doing like the little talent show. He was like embarrassed, and I'm like, no, I go, remember we talked about it. Just try. So I remember he went up there and did something, and then he liked it. He's like, all right. So I go, so what are we going to do, right? So we did a little one-man show. And uh, he's like seven, man. And we called the uh, we called it um, movie montage. Okay. So we played four different movie, four or five different movie characters, and he changed the outfits, like based on my friend's play, right? Yeah. Uh, or, or my show. So we did these little things where he played Rocky. Dun, 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 dun. No, first it was Eminem. Oh, right? okay. Uh, um, the, loose, the eight mile. Yeah. So he had all the eight mile <laughs> stuff. Then he puts the mic down. Then it's Rocky. Dun, 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 dun. Then he takes that stuff off. He's he's um, Clark Kent. Okay. Then he's um after that he takes that off. But he goes backstage or or, or or he strips the clothes off. Then he's Mission Impossible. Oh, right? nice, dun, nice. Dun, 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 crawling on the floor, looking at his watch. And then after he goes to the back, I had all my friends are in the back, my movie friends, and they put a cape on him and give him the lightsaber at the end of Star Wars. Dun, dun, oh, nice. Dude, all the kids are going wild, dude. They got posted on Instagram the kids are like ah dude he loved it he loved it it was a positive attention you know Mm -hmm. so then after all the kids were like Rocky he was like high-fiving them so it was like it was kind of like planted the seed but so I was able to like share all these great moments with them and build this confidence you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and there was one moment I want to talk about real quick that he said um I was picking him up 
and 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 the teacher all these kids are getting coming out of the classroom with these little big paper paper things right rolled up like poster boards mm -hmm. rolled up and i'm like oh how come we don't have one and he's like oh the teacher said that's optional and i asked the teacher like oh miss garcia we're still friends to this day mm -hmm. this is his, his like third grade teacher right we're still friends to this day mm -hmm. and she's like oh you know he didn't want to do it i'm like like get the paper you're gonna do it you know Oh, but she's, I'm like, no, 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 you got to do it. You got to, you know, so we get home and then my wife reads the people like, why are you making them do it? It's optional. I'm yeah. like, do you want to be the captain of the ship or back of the ship? Yeah. Back of the boat. Like, no, like you're going to do it. So he's doing it. I'm like, when you do your speech, look up, make eye contact. You know what I mean? And like, and he's doing it. He's a little dude, you know, and he's writing this thing, vote for, for Manny. And then he starts crying and he's like, dad, no one's going to pick me. He starts crying and he tells him, and I'm like, son, is that what this is all about? Like, it doesn't matter if they pick you. That It matters that you try. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that's it. So he goes and does it. Dude, on there, I was crying. Dude, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. I remember, he, I remember he calls me, dad, dad, they picked me, they picked oh, me. Oh, shit. He goes, you know, and then she goes, he don't even, he got a lot of votes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, he got like more than 60% votes, you know, and he picked him for class president. Wow. You know, and I was like, man, he just built this confidence, you know, and then I did a sweat out of climbing up, like, in your face. Yes. <laughs> you know, and uh, so I just built this confidence. And then the next time that happened, he goes, oh, I don't really want to do it. I'm like, you don't got to do it. Mm -hmm. As long as you know. You know, so all that, that's how it's been with us. You know, as he got older, I was a little rough from like, you're being lazy, you know what I mean? And I was doing, saying the right thing the wrong way, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But, um, but so balancing it, it just kind of worked out, man. But I just made time, you know, I made time. And then those jobs, and then I started taking them to set with me, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was kind of cool. I was like, hey, I'm going to hook up my family, you know, Getting we did a Blink-182 video. Uh, Stephen Oreo was directing it, and um, he's like, yeah, like you cast whatever you want. So I was like, I brought my tia, my, <laughs> my, my son, my daughter. I had all kinds of people. And, all the friends. Friends. and then yeah. all the all the dudes that I was working with, hey, call your mom, call your tia. You know, we and it was paying cash. Sweet, you know what I mean? So that was all cool. And, and then, so I, like, so Manny Jr. kind of just grew up comfortable on set. So it wasn't mm -hmm. like a, you know, oh, I'm going to set. Or he's like, he's just totally... Uh, professor, and he started doing short films. But anyway, just like being a dad, being you know, making um, loving my kids, man. Even though when my wife, ex-wife, and I did bump heads, I, the, what I learned was when I tell a lot of people that dealing with, I go, if you just love your kid, what happened was we became to love each other and respect each other as, like I I respect and love her as their mom, mm -hmm. right? The the artist thing was over, mm -hmm. and then she became to respect, and I think maybe some maybe care about me. Um, as their dad because I just was like no yeah. matter what I was their dad like I'm gonna pick them up I, I couldn't do things for them financially but she knew like I'm gonna go and we're gonna yeah, I was I was so involved you know what I mean mm -hmm. but I made that point like my kids are everything to me you know what I mean and I, I love them and they're all doing good you know what I mean mm -hmm. um, but like yeah to balance it it was hard man but it wasn't that hard I think it's just like getting being committed you know what I mean you just mm -hmm. gotta be committed and, and you gotta keep growing you gotta keep learning and um and it was like part of the struggle, part of the journey. And I didn't get the big, the big um, Warner Brother deal back then. It wasn't meant for me back then. I had to be there with my kids, you yeah. know. Because I, mean? I know some people get like these big breaks early on, and then they're flying around the world, and then they lose out on yeah, their kids' childhood. Sense, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that it happened the way it's supposed to. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know if that kind of answer your question. Yeah, okay. yeah. I always totally. say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. No, that's cool. So what's next for you? Because I know you had the East Lowe's part one, East Lowe's part two. You have the second chance uh, short film. But, you know, what's kind of some future goals that you have in mind right now? 
you know, um, uh, on the film, you know, on, on as far as like a second chance, you know, I said we were submitting it for like a year to film festivals. Mm-hmm. Like, like nobody, everybody rejected us, right? Mm-hmm. So then, as I'm as, as we're submitting the film, I'm like, I wrote the draft in seven days, a feature film, a version of it, and then um, started. Um, um, for like a year also while we're submitting the film rewriting and getting it tighter right and then um we said like all right we got to check let's put it on youtube right mm-hmm. and then we get a million views oh, wow. so again i did not know anything about i knew what youtube was i didn't know anything about views and all that and manny jr is like oh that's a big deal like he's yeah. like he he started seeing he goes you're gonna get a million views i'm like because I'm like old school. I'm like, I want to be in the theater, man. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. He's like, no. Then, then get, so we're at like 2.5 million views right now. So I was wow. like, all right, cool. So next thing you know, that like, as I started doing research, more like, oh, yeah, they gave us some juice, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody, so like it got some meetings. So, you know, I have the feature film script, like super tight. Come, I was committed. I think that's tight right now. Yeah. I, I mean, people are... You know, especially the people that read my old scripts are like, oh, now, now you're a writer, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so the so I have that uh, script done, the feature film. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna make it next year, even if it's micro budget. You know, I was trying to get like a certain ra- amount of money and get um, attract certain producers, or whatever. But and the meetings are good because of the the, the film. Oh, you say you got over two million views. They're like, you know, oh okay, mm-hmm. and it, it opens some doors. Uh, so with the feature fi- the feature script is done on that. I'm gonna write it and direct it and uh, do it, uh, do it uh, probably micro budget, you know what I mean? Which is fine. I, don't, I just need to get done and get done right. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then uh, as far as East Los, um, that started getting, had to hit a million, but it's like at seven, one, part one is like at over uh, 700,000 and then part two is like at 300,000. Mm-hmm. It's going slowly, you know what I mean? Because that one's rated R. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's a little different. So, uh-huh. and, the, and the other, uh, a lot of people are got, blo- a lot of youngsters are getting blocked on that one. Because oh, of, of the, um, it got flagged for the, um, what do you call it, under, under yeah. age or whatever, or being violent, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and then uh, so so that script's done as a pilot. Mm-hmm. I have the pilot script like done. I had a co-wrote with my guy Seth Eisner, and originally because of the Soprano. Oh, when we did East Los, we we had a feature film done, mm-hmm. so we shot that. Steve Nicolaitis, who's a producer in Boys in the Hood, Nacho Libre, and um, a lot of other big movies. He, um, a school of rock, he did as well. He was Seth's old friend, and he he mentored us when we did East Los. Mm-hmm. He said, "Oh, like you guys." So we showed him this East Los script, and he told us like things that he learned with John Singleton and Boys in the Hood. And I said, "Hey, I go look, man. I'm thinking like." To me, like, I want to make this for the Chicano people that know about it. Like, I'm not really worried about people out of state. He, I go, am I thinking wrong? He goes, no, you're thinking right. He goes, John made Boys in the Hood for South Central. Everybody yeah. else just loved it after that. Mm-hmm. I was like, great. That's all I needed to hear. That's, yeah. So I was like, okay, so we did the short film. So he's like, if you guys want to be directors and writers, you know, you'd have to rank something. So he goes, so get 10 pages out of your script. And ten grand, and goes, and I'll and I'll, I'll help you. I'll be your Yoda, and I'm like, cool. So he <laughs> told me, I need to give us some money, so, <laughs> you know. But he was he's already retired, yeah. You know, but he came out, he he did, and so when the thing was done, I was like, oh shoot, you. Know? So I said, um, so we we did it, and and uh, and so after we saw the uh, the short, I'm like, oh dude, this feels like what I really always want to do as Chicano Sopranos, mm-hmm. you know. So then, so that's when we started rewriting it into a script. So the so, so the TV show pilot script's done. Uh, it all takes place in the 90s and then I wrote a, and then like the whole journey that I just told you about the ups yeah. and downs of me being a manager I wrote a, a, a comedy pilot I don't want to say uh, the title okay. because 
I've got ripped off before for titles and for um, oh, projects. Okay. It was okay. a show that I was on a big network that I pitched and they t- took it. But no hard nice. feelings. I moved on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was kind of flattering. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had to look at the positive. So I wrote a comedy script on my life, the ups and downs of the, the you know, uh, suspect entertainment thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that thing, like I wrote that in three days and then rewrote it and worked on it for, for a few more months after that. But like that thing's ready to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting great feedback on that. So the next thing is, to get, you know, if I uh, do the film low budget, if I can't get um, Netflix or HBO or Amazon, those those TV shows on that, like I'm going to do a web series. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there's just so many avenues now. So that's the goal. Like it's going to happen. And if I die, you know, I always tell people like, if I die today, so right, the, the legacy is like this dude didn't stop. You know what I mean? And stuff. There's no, yeah, there's no, you know, and I still have to do little jobs here and there, you know, production jobs that are not on other people's projects. Mm-hmm. But I chose projects. If I'm going to collaborate with people, it's based off the person. How are they as a person? Yeah. Then the project and then, then the money. Yeah. Because you could pay me a lot of money, but if you're going to be belittling and be a jerk to people, mm-hmm. I don't want to work with you. I don't care how much you're paying me. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And if the project, and if you're paying me good money and the project is like corny or just not my thing, like each project or work on has to be better than the next one mm-hmm. or than the last one. The next thing I work on has to be better. You have to keep stepping on my game. Another thing too is like I've been hit your hit to my wagon. You gotta you know be the weakest link. I heard Tarantino say like you want to be the weakest link in your in your crew, wow. in your team. Okay. It's gonna make you step your your game yeah. up. And I was like oh, that's true. So I've been like you know reconnected like with Stephen Oreo. We're doing some project. That dude's a workaholic. You know, him and I are like, dude, they, we're working through December. I don't care. They, we're kids are grown now. <laughs> yeah. Get the holiday. I'm like, let's do it. So we're like, we're on some stuff right now. But um, yeah, that's the mission, man. But like, I'll, I'll to keep. But I do mentoring. Even after this, they tell I got a mentoring thing with the kid, mm-hmm. a youngster. The mentoring is always going to be there. Since I mentor fifty year olds, sixty year olds, yeah. if they're ready, I don't. I either it's either it's prevention, working with youngsters to prevent them. To going into the life or reentry when somebody's done out of the life and wants to get into movie biz or, or yeah. just into society and they need some direction. But people that are still kind of caught up, you know, they, they have like homeboy industry places for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's not really my area. But um, always if somebody reach out and they're sincere or they DM me and I could tell, you know, if they could tell if they're ready. Yeah. Because a lot course. of times if they're like, yo, homie, I'm all tatted up, dog, put me in, dog, you know, uh, you know yeah. like, and I look at their page and they're throwing up signs and nothing but drinking beer and party and there's nothing wrong with that, but if you're, you know, that's just like, mm-hmm. you know, or I mention like, hey, are you willing to take acting classes? Like, nah, homie, I'm good, I'm a natural. Like, oh, okay. you know, I heard that from Richard Gabron and then, but he took the classes. Mm-hmm. The guy who actually did it, I'll look at him, he's in two, three seasons of mine, of mine and many other things, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's it for me, man. Eventually, my long-term plan, before I leave this planet, I really want to design my own, or I've actually already been re- mapping out my own nonprofit wow. because I think that certain nonprofits handle certain areas very well, but then there's something that's missing. Again, fr- from my point of view, yeah. like, oh, if I was a you know, youngster, I would want this. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't understand it. But this one, one nonprofit has this and doesn't have that. Another mm-hmm. nonprofit has this and doesn't have that. So I'm like, okay, I, 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 there's a little something missing. I'm going to create my own, what mm-hmm. I think works. You know, and that's like the money management, the life skill stuff, yeah. and the and the different production things. You know what I mean? But you know, people want to break in Hollywood, or they want they think it's gonna leave solve all their problems, or they want to make money. I'm like, like if you can't handle ten grand, how are you gonna handle a hundred grand? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, or a million. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> 
you know, like with young kids that are under 18, like, that are like with Manny, when he was young, like if you, Manny's agents came and spoke to a, a class for me one day, he said like, all you got to do is get good grades. Mm -hmm. That's your job as a kid. Yeah. You can't even get good grades. You can't even get a permit. Right. How are you going to learn pages of dialogue? And right. <laughs> so, so same with the dog. Like if you can't pay your bills, deal with child support, IRS, get a license, insurance, like, there's no way you're going to have a career. <laughs> uh, you have to have your personal life in the right track, you yeah. know what I mean, in order to to have a career, in any career, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, because it's going to take discipline, hard work, and all that, you know, and um, and you got to be committed, man. The more you're committed, you know, you might have family clowning you and all that, but, like, you be committed. Trust me, you know, all my family, they're, like, they're all happy for me, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, they don't. They don't ever say like, "Why oh, you're still doing that?" And like, yeah. no, man, they they know like a especially and even with Manny Junior. They seen him on different movies and TV shows. They know like we're in this for the long run. And, and then now good. he's doing his music. He's yeah. editing. The I, I didn't teach him all that. Uh -huh. And he went to Carnegie Hall and um and band in seventh grade. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like I didn't teach him all. He wanted to go to band. You know what I mean? But that one thing I did press is like you can go to arts high school because uh -huh. <laughs> I didn't want to go in the lake in the school that we were at because mm -hmm. uh, just like for personal reasons. But he ended up it was free audition. He got in. He ended up making his That's childhood good. friend. Their friends to the best friends, and it was cool. He learned a lot. You know, so he mm -hmm. found his way. He found his passion for music in the art school, which acting opened that door. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So he's finding his way, and that was another thing challenging to let him be his own man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's not the little boy or doing what I tell him anymore. Yeah. And I didn't put him in this stuff because I wanted him to be, live through, people think, oh, you know, live through him and all that. No, I put him in this because I didn't want him getting caught up like Yangs, mm -hmm. the way people put their kids in sports. Mm -hmm. I couldn't put him in sports. We did try it, but when we would get the schedule and all the all the parks were all like old rival gangs nah, back then. Shit. So I couldn't be there. Yeah. I'm like, I can't be there. You know what I mean? We, we can't go over there. It's not a game. So, like, I put him in the movie business. He did play sports in the commercial. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it, man. And just be a better father. Uh, continue to, to, to serve humanity. Um, it's not about me. It's just about serving, serving, serving. Even if you see my Instagram, I'm constantly promoting other people. Yeah. I hardly promote myself. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. I'm uncomfortable with that. I, I put a lot of the cool images from, from back in the day, I think that's what people, it's kind of like clickbait, you know, there's kind of a marketing strategy, strategy there. But even Instagram, Manny and my DP and all my team, like, you got the 2 million views, you got to hit Instagram now. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I was like, let me learn. There's another thing. To, it's yeah. another thing. But I do it. I really did my homework on YouTube and Instagram, you know, um, and, 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 and all the hashtags. Like, I really did a lot of homework, man. And I really tried to like, just give a lot of love and support and support other people with some happy birthdays. Really just serve, serve, serve. Mm -hmm. And then you, you and, and out of the heart, not because I want something or want an angle, you know. And it's cool. Like, people answer DMs that like you wouldn't even think answer. Yeah. And then not everybody, but I was like, oh, man. Like, there's this show called, uh, I want to plug it real quick, called Mystery In Between on FX. Mm -hmm. Bad, dude. Just as good as Breaking Bad, bro. I don't know if you're into Breaking Bad. Yeah. Oh, I love dude, Breaking Bad. Watch Mister In Between on FX. Yeah. It's the uh, man. He loves it. My wife and everybody I showed actually watch it. Love it. So I plugged that, and I've been um, tagging the guy. I wrote the guy a DM. The, the the main actor also writes every episode. Wow. Dude, he actually responded. Wow. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, sweet. You know what I mean? And I don't want nothing. For, I just want to give him love, man. That yeah. thing is dope. He wrote and acted in every episode. Yeah, that's tough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then the director directed every episode, and the real daughter in there is the director's real daughter. 
Wow. You okay. understand? Like, keep it like, I like keep that. Keeping the family, yeah. Keeping the family. And they're doing great work. It's not like, like, I'm okay with um, nepotism. As long as the kid, they always are good. The art's good. Yeah. You know, um, Jeff Bridges said he was a product of nepotism, right? His dad was Bo Bridges and then his brother's, um, no, I think that's his brother. But anyway, the Bridge family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, the Bosky, right? Big Lebowski and all these movies, Jeff Bridges, like, pfft. You know what I mean? Like he's mm-hmm. still, it's fine if you if you're getting hooked up by as long as the work is good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't get my son in some things. He has to be, the work has to be good. If you're mm-hmm. not right for the part, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that's it, man. And I want to, I, 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 I wish you the best. I keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Stay open. Uh-huh. Tell a lot of people, no matter what you're doing, stay open for possibilities because that thing might come in your way. Mm-hmm. Like you think you want to do this, and then this other thing comes. You're like, wow, I didn't even know that. Right. That, well, that. even like when you mentioned with the nonprofit, I was going to say, you know, keep me updated with that because right now I work for the Boys and Girls Club of Garden Grove, another oh, nonprofit. And and I've always had like long, this is long term goal, right? I'm only 25, so yeah. there's no reason to rush no, that. That's but great. I see how they run things and, I'm, you know, I think, okay, I could probably I have a better idea or have a better vision because it's an after school program. Mm. And so I work at a middle school and like you said, mentor a lot of times and I, that's what I am. I'm mentoring the youth in the oh, classroom, great. but Sometimes I feel like we're limited in certain things. We're missing something, right? Yeah, yeah, like resources are tough, and I feel like sometimes the structure kind of uh, doesn't push kids to be the individuals they are. Mm. And that was, you know, one thing. Like I was the only staff, and it was cool though because, like, at my school, all the kids, you know, flocked to me and they really connected with me because I always here, yeah. praise their individuality, no matter what they were, if they're into skateboarding, drawing, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, but I, you know, I would love to know yeah. a lot more about starting nonprofits. Yeah, that might be your thing, dude. Yeah. That might be your thing, so, dude. Just know. the things that you just said right now, dude, that hit me hard, man, because yeah. that's, you know, empowering the youth, man. Mm-hmm. That's huge, man. That might be your thing, man. Who knows? Don't yeah. do this. I mean, you know, but again, stay open. Yeah. Stay open for it. And it's not that hard, you know, man. I would get all like flustered over paperwork and mm-hmm. starting the not for like, you know, I got a better understanding of all this stuff. But if your heart is good and then you're really doing whatever it is, really like, you know, I was at a point, I'd say this last thing, I was at a point where, you know, should I do the career or do nonprofit work? And one of my, my friends said to dad, we sat down and he told me he was, you could do both. He goes, you could you could do good and do well in the world. I go, what does that mean? He goes, you could do good in the mm-hmm. world and do well for yourself financially without feeling guilty. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so same to you. You know what I mean? You could do both. But if you see something's missing, it's like when people say, someone should write a movie about this. Oh, no, you should do it. Yeah, you go should do write it. it. Yeah. yeah. And not in a bad way. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably your thing that you should do. So like, if you feel like something's missing, then yeah. yeah, and that's how I feel. I feel like something's missing. There's still like a bridge missing. There's still some components missing. Like then I need to be the guy to do that. Yeah, you know and that that that's uh, what I felt for you. There's something if you feel something's missing mm-hmm. or something's lacking, then that's got to come from you. Then it's called that's your calling. It's called, yeah, and you could still have your career. Right. Oh, yeah. Just do it on the side yeah. and everything. Well, really appreciate this. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you having me. It's an honor. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the My Mike and I podcast, episode 84 with Manny Jimenez Sr. Man, that conversation was a blast during the interview, um, and he's, he's been really helpful for me too. Like, I, I got to give him a shout out really quick for just being very involved. He noticed, like, my talent from the get-go, so, that, you know, we're still keeping in touch. We're still texting back and forth, and, you know, he's actually asked me, like, helping me write down my goals and stuff like that for... You know, long term, but also the goals for next year. So he's 
He's become a really cool mentor for me. Really go check out some of his stuff too and be sure to go support his YouTube page, some of the short films that he has out, East Los Part 1, East Los Part 2, A Second Chance. He has a lot of stuff up on there on his YouTube page and he's just very involved with the Hollywood. And just know, use his story as inspiration. I mean, look at him, he came from the gangs of LA and potentially being locked up and he was able to turn his life around I mean, it's really crazy. Uh, you know, I know people who are from the hood, people who lived in the hood. People sometimes they say they're trapped in the hood, but you're never trapped in a certain situation. No matter how tough your situation is, if you are able to commit to something and you're really passionate about it, you can make things happen. So you, I hope you use Manny's story as uh, inspiration to do whatever the fuck you want to do. Be sure to go follow the My Mike and I page on Instagram at my period Mike and period I. Be sure to go follow the personal Instagram page at Noha underscore Alvarez and follow me on Twitter at underscore Noah Alvarez. One more time before we go, shout out to Generic Smart for producing the instrumental in the background. Shout out to Vince Correa for producing and creating the My Mike and I logo that you are seeing in your screen. And shout out to everybody listening to the podcast right now. Be sure to subscribe, be sure to follow, be sure to tell a friend about this show if you really liked it. I would greatly appreciate any support I can get. Alright, I'm Noah Alvarez of the My Mike and I podcast, signing off. Till next time.